And we are live. How's it going, everyone? I hope you all had a wonderful and safe, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, we are back, and this week we are going to be doing our second round, um, our 2.0 of our first round mock draft. Uh, had a lot of engagement the first time around, so hoping we get that again. Um, went really well, and we love doing it. So um, without further ado, let's get started. Man, you're not even going to introduce me or anything, Sam? Good I, Lord. Excuse me, pardon <laughs> my... <laughs> <laughs> With me, as always, is my wonderful co-host. Sorry, I just can't even think straight today. It's been a long day at the gym. <laughs> but uh, I, I feel um, you. Geez, wise, how's it going, Matt? It's good to see you. Matt's been watching uh, the GOAT, Trace McSorley. I think, what did he throw, a 70-yard touchdown, I think it was? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, crazy um, stuff, dude. Going great. With me, as always, is my wonderful co-host, Caleb Skinner. Um, like I said, hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. This week, we're going to be doing our mock draft, um, and you see the bottom ticker, mybookie.ag, uh, code USN100, double your first deposit, and as well as RxHemp, use the code um, USN for 10% off of every purchase. Um, and that's all I have. Anything you want to say, Kev, before we get started? Uh, yeah, man. I just hope you had a had a great Thanksgiving. Um, I know we talked a little bit over you know the break or whatever, and it sounded like you did. And we, we've both been busy since since being back from you know the holiday and everything. So we're both just kind of you know <clears throat> drudging through the days and you know just making it through it. But I'm excited, man. Uh, round two of our 2021 right 2021 NFL mock draft. So uh, I'm excited to do it. You I know, mean, a couple uh, changes uh, from the first one. So I'm excited to see where we're going from there. It's coming quick. It's coming quick. All right. I won't FSU ever be back, Caleb. Don't start with that, please, Matt. Um, we, this is not a, a FSU show or an FSU podcast, so we're not going to talk. Not, this isn't Tribeholics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not Tribeholics, right? But, uh, yeah, uh, eventually one day, you know, it took, took Florida, what, eight years? It took Miami, I mean, still 20 plus years so uh we'll see <laughs> eventually that'll happen but uh we'll jump into the mock draft and keep it uh pretty square for you guys to talk about like someone was like that and let me go ahead and pull this up so um obviously sam you can go over the first pick since everybody pretty much <laughs> knows who that's gonna be well caleb pulls this up yeah i mean it's a given um trevor lawrence to the first pick and there's a lot. I think we talked about the Trevor Lawrence, supposedly the media is swirling around the rumors. Uh, how about this? How about this? What FSU player will be drafted first? Oh, who the first FSU player that will be drafted? Um, I think it'll be uh, Nasrul Dean, but if, I would almost say Marvin Wilson. Um, but because I think, Caleb, you mentioned earlier today that Nasrul Dean, there might be rumors that um, Hamza Nasruddin might be staying back at FSU. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. Um, but anyways, Trevor Lawrence, I hope the Bengals will go OT, poor Burrow. <laughs> I think that makes a lot of sense for them. We'll get back. Trevor stays another year. I was going to bring that up. I, we talked about last time the media kind of swirling around um, Trevor Lawrence staying back to not go to the Jets. They did the same thing with Chase Young last year. Chase Young said something like, I'm not thinking about the draft. Trevor Lawrence is entering the draft. I would be, I think that would be the most shocking move in recent years if Trevor Lawrence somehow stayed back. But Trevor Lawrence, the first pick of the New York Jets, 
Hopefully they fire Adam Gase. His seat is steaming hot right now. Um, but they have they don't have a terrible front office. Their draft class this coming year looks promising. We've seen a little bit, a few flashes from Denzel Mims, uh, Michael P. Ryan. Not so sure the Michael P. Ryan could be their number one guy, um, but definitely a reliable guy to compliment someone. Perry, how's it going? It's good to see you. Hope you had a great What's Thanksgiving. Up, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Trevor Lawrence to me, I think makes the most sense. Um, Sam Darnold is going to be a very interesting quarterback name to not, not just quarterback, but name in general to listen to during the off season. I know the jets were thinking they might not even get a second round pick for him. Some people are saying they might not get a first round or it'll be tough to get a first round just because he's in an awful situation right now. Um, he's a talented quarterback. He has Ter- he has nothing to work with. Um, Jameson Crowder has been the only, I guess, one of the only reliable guys. And Frank Gore has been a great asset for their backfield, both um, production and leadership-wise. But Trevor Lawrence is going to change just about almost – Trevor Lawrence will change any franchise he joins. So, And I think this is a great stepping stone for the New York Jets picking Trevor Lawrence at one. <clears throat> Automatic pick if, if you're the New York Jets here. Uh, I know Sam Darnold is Sam Darnold's a great quarterback. Uh, not a great quarterback. He's an above average quarterback in my opinion, and he's going to find a great home and a great place to be eventually after this is over with. But when you have the number one pick and you're the Jets, and most likely the Jets are going to go 0 and 16 this year. I think again the rest of their schedule they have you know against winning winning opponents. So you know teams that are above you know the 500 level in the NFL. So, I mean, it's going to be tough for the Jets to get to eke out a win. They faced the Patriots, I think, the last game of the year. So they might be able to squeak one out there. Uh, but <laughs> they're still going to be the number one pick, even with one win on their, <laughs> on their schedule. So uh, Trevor Lawrence is the right pick. Uh, he's the best player available. Um, you can't really beat him. So it's just all about how it, what's, what are the Jets going to do after that? Uh, we can get in that into that another day. We don't have to do that since we're talking about a mock here. So obviously Trevor Lawrence going um, number one in the NFL uh, yeah, that would be huge from the Jets. <laughs> uh, Michael wants Sorry, to know about the Bears. We will get to the Bears, Michael. So I think we cut out quick, but yeah, I mean, I and can see the- them trading back. Go ahead. There you go. I can see them trading back, uh, but I. I think it just makes so much sense to – I really hope Donald doesn't go to the Bears. <laughs> um, we'll get to the Bears yeah, in just a bit, Michael. But um, I, I can see the Jets trading back. But if you have a generational talent like Trevor Lawrence, um, and we've been through this multiple times, that Darnold is not the problem. But if they truly want to keep Darnold, maybe thinking about trading back. If The only way I see them trading back, obviously, is if they end up keeping Darnold and maybe trading down for – you know, a guy like Micah Parsons, um, down even down, still ending up in the top five. Um, but I think as of right now, it definitely seems like Trevor Lawrence is going to end up in New York with the Jets. Yeah, it makes most sense. And then that'll take us into our number two pick, and that's <clears> going to be the Jaguar, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they're going to be taking the quarterback out of Ohio State and Justin Fields, which is our good friend Andrew Williams' favorite quarterback in the draft this year, and believes he should be the number one on. Block drafts, but um, Justin Fields to to the Jags. I, I think it makes a whole lot of sense. It's a very Jags move. 
um, to take, I don't know, a quarterback here in Justin Fields. I think it's, I say it's a Jags move just because I, I've grown around people and I know like a bunch of Jags fans. So like it's such a Jags thing to, you know, do this, especially with how Gardner Minshew has been playing, even though he hasn't been playing the best necessarily, but um, taking Justin Fields here, I mean, you obviously have to, um, especially if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars and it's very improving commodity there in Jacksonville. So um, I, I don't mind the pick. I just don't know if it's the right fit. Um, but anyways, he is the pick there at number two. I, I, I like this as well. Um, I, I think it'll be an even better pick if they fire Doug Marone and get the right coach with him. Obviously, they're going to need an offensive-minded coach. Um, I, was a, I was very surprised to see the Jags keep Doug Marone this season. Um, one of my friends is a Jags fan, and he was utterly disappointed that that happened. But He's all in. I've had multiple conversations with him about the draft. And um, he's a big Justin Fields guy. I mean, he obviously wants Trevor Lawrence, but he seems to be pretty content on wanting Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields will make sense, obviously, not only with the right system, but with the right coach. And if they fire Doug Marone, one name I'm looking at is Greg Roman. Um, he's the offensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. We saw what he turned Lamar Jackson into, what he helped Lamar Jackson build around his scheme. Um, another guy I'm looking at, um, I I don't think he's heating up too much with the Jags. I could be wrong, though, but that's Eric Bieniemy. Um, Eric Bieniemy is going to be a really fascinating name to um, watch. Another update I got today is um, John Dorsey is heating up for GM position, and rumor has it, um, he's going to be bringing in Eric Bieniemy wherever wherever he goes. So I think John Dorsey is going to be another G, big GM name to watch. Uh, but I think Justin Fields makes a ton of sense here. Um, I was hoping, I think I said last time, I was really hoping Gardner Minshew would go off because then it would really shake up the draft for the Jags, um, maybe have them taking a tackle um, or a defensive right. piece. But um, I think Justin Fields, again, makes a lot of sense here. Um, I don't see – I think if Trey Lance would have played this year, I would have almost put Trey Lance over Justin Fields. But um, to me, I think Trevor, or I think Justin Fields is easily the second best quarterback in this draft. That I think, um, I think it'd be a really nice fit. Um, and I think, I think they would win. I think they would win that pick even more if they get him the right coach. Yeah, there's a lot going on in Jacksonville. It's hard to kind of pin down exactly what the problems are, where to go from the point that they're at right now. Um, but I mean, this is a step in the right direction. I like Justin Fields. I'm just not huge on him. So we'll, we'll see how that pans out. But um, going back over to our, um, our our mock draft here, we're looking at the number three pick here, and that's the Bengals. And I think who mentioned it earlier? Um, it was the ML, yeah. MLB Unwrapped or, or Fantasy Football Unwrapped, but obviously it's MLB Unwrapped. Um, yeah, obviously <laughs> the, the line there in Cincinnati needs a lot of help. And it was just proven to, you know, the whole, you know, world that it's it's a serious problem after, you know, Joe Burrow pretty much tears every single thing in his knee. So um, I don't think there's any other pick that you go with here besides Panay Sula. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, I, I think that I think offensive tackle should be the first thing they should be thinking of right now. Uh, obviously, their defense does need work. AJ Green is up, but the wide receiver class is deep. And I can imagine they're probably going to be taking a wide receiver um in this draft i mean obviously they still have Tate. aj green's gone t higgins was drafted t higgins is having a really impressive rookie campaign john ross i believe is done um he's been in trade rumors um he was in trade rumors for the longest time uh up until the deadline nothing happened um and now <laughs> even he wants out 
Yeah, and they do. They 100% do. And um, my friend asked me, he said, how did Joe Burrow do? I think it was his very first game or either his very first game or whenever he played the Browns the first time. And I said, considering he had, what, two seconds to throw the ball, I'd say he was pretty impressive. Um, but let's hope Joe Burrow comes back fully healthy. Um, there, I think there's a strong possibility that he might not even be ready for week one because I think he – didn't he break, like, multiple bones – um, uh, at or tore, near his knee, pretty much everything in his knee. Yep. Uh, yeah. So um, completely yeah. gone. Right. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they maybe go and get a veteran, um, sign a veteran to like a one-year contract um, for the time being, for a minimum mm -hmm. until Burrow comes back. But Burrow's their guy, um, and they need to do everything they can in their power to, to protect them. And I think Panay Sewell is an amazing pick right here. Yeah, it's. I've already mentioned my piece. It doesn't make sense to take anybody else here for the start of the season. You mentioned that, and um, I mean, you can start. You can maybe see maybe a guy like a Jameis Winston or, or somebody like that being thrown in there, or that the Bengals go after just you know on the cheap um, to kind of you know, I don't know, kind of ease that transition or kind of bridge the gap until Joe gets back um, healthy and everything like that. So uh, hopefully that's the case, and hopefully he does come back strong. Um, but with our fourth pick is going to be Perry's boys, uh, the Cowboys, uh, taking Patrick Sertan, cornerback out of Alabama. I I think this pick makes so much sense. I know I think Perry, we talked, you mentioned that in the chat that you liked it too. I think we had Sertan last time as well. Um, I and, forget it's uh, Michael Michael's team too. I'm sorry. I got to shout oh, out. I'm Michael's sorry. Team. Yeah. Perry and Michael's team. Yeah. I think it makes sense. I think you could go Micah Parsons here. Um, but I think that what makes the most sense here is Patrick Sertain. Their, their secondary is struggling. They're young. They're up and coming. Byron Jones was a big loss for them. Um, and Patrick Sertain is arguably the best cornerback prospect in this draft, and I, I love this pick here. Uh, yeah, he, he's the number one corner. Mm -hmm. I know there was a bunch of talk about Sean Wade being you know the number one corner, but, I mean, you just – I think he um, – what's their young cornerback? Um um, he he just—I think he's out for a period of time, or maybe even for the rest of the season. But um, I think I mentioned this last time we did the mock draft. Is I think this is a perfect fit next to each other. You got two young stud cornerbacks to to lock down <clears> and improve that secondary that has you know taken its lumps this season. So uh, I, I don't see a better pick here for the Cowboys. Like you said, you could go Michael Parsons, but is it really improving your linebacker core? We still have a lot to see from um, what's his name, uh, their linebacker that's that they just drafted. I forget. I'm sure uh, <laughs> Perry and the boys can let us know. I mean, they've got Le they've got Leighton Vanderash. They've got there you go, trade because he's Sean Lee 2.0. They have Sean Lee still. Um, and when Leighton Vanderash is on the field, you can tell how much better that defense flows. Um, and I even said they should. Uh, plus, Diggs played well. Yeah, he did. Pl played well before the injury. A lot of the youngsters there. Um, and especially if you draft Sertain there, that 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 secondary looks so promising. Like right now, like the, they don't have the the Vikings secondary. The Vikings have JV secondary right now, and the the Cowboys. As soon as they lost Byron Jones, they immediately looked to the draft early. Um, I think Trayvon Diggs was. I almost think was it might have been darn near a steal. Like where they got him because I think he was. I think some people expected him like to go a little bit earlier than than expected, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I love Sertainier. I think Sertain and Diggs would be a really nice duo, um, especially for a, a division like the NFC East. Yeah, uh, I love the pick to the Cowboys there. I mean, you go from a franchise and a program like Alabama to a, a, an organization like the Dallas Cowboys, and it's just, you know, match made in heaven, and, you know, those are the type of guys that Jerry likes, um, those type of guys who come from programs like that. So mm-hmm. uh, I think it, it's a match made in heaven, and, and the young guys, the young secondary that they're building there in Dallas, maybe Jerry does have an idea of what he wants to build in terms of a Super Bowl contender. But everybody likes to, you know, just go poo-poo on it um, because it's not working early on. But eventually I think they'll get there, and I think this is a step in the right direction. Um, But going in another direction here, and that's another cornerback going to the Chargers this time, and that's cornerback out of Virginia Tech who decided to opt out um, for this season, and that's Caleb Farley. Yeah, and I don't remember who we went with last time. I don't think it was Caleb Farley. Um, I like a tackle here, but I don't outside of Sewell in the top 10. I'm not sure I see someone, maybe someone like Christian Darisaw, but I think he might slide a little bit out of the top 10. We'll have, we'll have him in here, um, in a bit here, but I like Caleb Farley a lot. Um, and I think it makes a ton of sense as well, especially just the fact that the Chargers traded Desmond King, um, to the Titans and, um, Caleb Farley is a lockdown. He's physical, um, elite body frame. Obviously, he did opt out, but he's one of those guys. Um, he's one of those guys that his draft stock right now isn't really fluctuating. And there's another guy which we'll get to. Um, and you might be a little bit surprised that we don't have him in our top ten. But I'm not going to say it, Caleb. You might know who it is, but we'll get there. Yeah, hundred percent. Know who you're talking about. Um, this is one of those guys who kind of. <laughs> And and it might have even approved it a little bit just based off of um, other guys and what's going on with them in the cornerback, you know, drafts room. Um, But, yeah, I like Caleb Farley, too, to the Chargers a lot, too. Um, You think about it there. You can say that the Chargers do have cornerbacks. They have Chris Harris and Casey Hayward, um, both, you know, one's solidified, one's working his way into being a solidified corner in the NFL. And uh, but the thing is with them is both of their contracts are up after the 2021 season. Um, so I, that, you know, brings its own problems. Are you going to pay me? Or are you not going to pay me? And if why pay somebody who might in a year from, from then or whenever you pay them, isn't necessarily living up to the money that you did pay them in terms of what they're being asked to do as a cornerback. And then you have a young guy. Okay. You can give a young guy, you know, He's still on his rookie contract. He's not, you know, it's not like the draft lottery in the NBA where you have to have a specific set minimum or guaranteed, you know, money that comes with being picked in the lottery. So you can get a guy very cheap here. And I think that's what the Chargers do. And they go after Caleb Farley, who is in an all-class cornerback, in my opinion. I think it makes perfect sense. Um, A great physical playmaker. And Virginia Tech just breeds those guys. So I think it's a great fit there for the Chargers, especially if you think about the – that Chargers defense could be scary. Uh, it, it could be. I mean, Bose has been out a lot this season, and then Derwin James has missed all this season too. So if they can get completely healthy and bring in a young guy who's physical and a huge playmaker, which is what both Bosa and Derwin James are, and Caleb Farley can just join that mix, that'll be pretty dangerous there in that division. Yeah, I think that defense is severely slept on. Um, I, I think they've got their quarterback. I said like the Bears, um, they're, they're, they're a quarterback away from being very competitive, and now they have their quarterback like Justin Herbert. And now they need to start building their guys for the future because like you just mentioned, you have guys that are up for contracts um, in 2021. Um, this team is so close to being competitive. 
Um, and I love the Carlo Farley pick here. Yeah, I like it. And then we'll go into um, the sixth pick, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles. So if uh, Ben's watching, Ben Hoyt, shout out out there, another USN <laughs> contributor, huge Eagles fan. Um, you're going to get your linebacker, man. You're getting Michael Parsons there for Penn State. If I were an Eagles fan, I would be absolutely ecstatic at this pick. Um, you could go Jamar Chase here, but they've had linebacker issues finding their true linebacker. Um, for a while. I mean, they cut Nigel Bradham and I think Nigel Bradham was on the saints for a while. And I think he, he might even be a free agent now, I think. Um, and obviously they drafted Jalen Rager over, uh, Justin Jefferson. Um, th th this is going to be an interesting team as a whole to watch, um, because they, they need change. And whether that be letting go of Doug Peterson, letting go of their GM, um, or even they or cleaning house because I think Elshon Jeffrey's gone. I think he's either up this year or in the following. I think he's gone. Um, I think they're going to either try to trade him or he's fighting for a spot on the roster because um, I definitely see the Eagles drafting a wide receiver, but this wide receiver class is so deep, and I think Micah Parsons is an, an awesome pick here. Uh, it, I, I would have – seen him gone or like go earlier in drafts. I think we had that in our, in our previous mock draft that we had him go in earlier too. Um, but it's just, there's so many other needs for these other teams now. And, you know, a little bit of shuffling in terms of who's where and whatnot. And then the Eagles just kind of get it to fall into their lap here. I mean, it, their, their linebacker play has been by far the worst linebacker play I've seen in quite some time out of an NFL, out of an NFL defense and an NFL team. So I, I, it's it's great that they're going to get Michael Parsons. He's an absolute animal, um, physical, just quick, probably the best player. I mean, you could probably – I mean, he's probably the second best player overall, you know, if, you, if you're just looking at pure, you know, athleticism, testing, um, playmaking ability, all different types of skill sets. I agree. I think he's a top three prospect in this draft. Right. I, I would put him at two, honestly, uh, right behind probably Trevor Lawrence. But – um, that's, that's such a steal in my opinion for the Eagles to get him there at six. And I'm happy that they're going to be improving their linebacker core. And then we'll go to the Panthers and this might be a surprise pick to a lot of people, but we have the Panthers going after Zach Wilson, cornerback out of BYU. Yeah, I like this. Um, I think you could maybe go another route. Um, I maybe, I think I thought about, I thought about Caleb Farley. I think that's who we had last time. Right. Um, and we could maybe right. could see them either waiting for a quarterback um, until day two or even waiting until next year. But I don't see Teddy Bridgewater being their guy. Uh, Matt, Matt Rule is known for building teams. He took a Temple team and he put them in bowl contention. He took a Baylor team um, last year, I think, with Denzel Mims on the team. Right. Um, he took a Baylor team and made them very competitive, made them competitive again in the Big 12. Um, and that's what he's known for. And I like I I love that he's in the uh, win Carolina. Carolina went all defense last year, and I would imagine that Matt Rule is going to want someone to start grooming to be their guy. Teddy Bridgewater, I'm pretty yeah. sure, is on a three year deal. Um, and outside of Lawrence and Fields, um, I don't see any other guy in this draft that you know can come in and be that day one guy. Um, I think not even Trey Lance. I think it depends where Trey Lance goes. Um, and I think because what Bridgewater has two years left, 
you have Wilson for maybe a year out of that, and then you have him start. I think Wilson's a guy that would benefit so much sitting for a year. And the big knock that everyone's giving, and I think it's absolutely rightfully so, because people are you know on the fence about where BYU is ranked. And I think they're, what, 14 or something? They're in the top 15. And some people are saying they're too low. Um, and some people are saying they're too high, but the only comp, they've only played Boise State. Um, and Trey Lance is a guy, the big knock on Trey Lance, obviously, is he's a one-year wonder. And obviously, one-year wonder quarterbacks really worry me. Um, and obviously, Joe Burrow went into a really nice situation. Um, and North Dakota State is starting to produce some really nice talent. Um, but I think Zach Wilson's a good one. I personally want Trey Lance, but I love the Zach Wilson pick here. Um, and I think he's got the perfect coach, perfect coach to help groom him. Yeah, I had mentioned that to you before we went live. Is that I, I just like the fit here with with Zach Wilson going to Carolina instead of you know maybe dropping back a little bit to you know maybe the Bears or or maybe you know the Washington football team or, or another team that is looking for a quarterback. But uh, I think it's it, it's right there, like you were talking about. You hit it right on the head about you know Teddy is probably not the long term guy. Um, you're going to need somebody else who's going to be able to step up after a couple of years. And Zach Wilson, if you groom him the right way, could be a dangerous quarterback. I mean. Uh, look what he's doing right now after he spent some time at BYU, you know, and not that they're paying, playing the best competition, but I mean, he's making the right plays. He's doing the, making the correct reads. He's, he's got a quick release. He knows how to get the ball out on time. He, he just doesn't make very many mistakes as a quarterback. And that's what you're really looking for in the NFL. You don't need a guy who's going to necessarily set the world on fire, but you need somebody who's going to be able to protect the ball because in the NFL, protecting the ball is probably the most serious thing when it comes to, you know, an offense. You need to protect the ball. Just get us in scoring position and do not turn the ball over. And Zach Wilson doesn't do that. He makes some some you know plays here and there that you're like, oh, oh. But at some point, it just, you know, the athleticism comes out of him and, and you can see it. And that's why I like him Panthers instead of a team like the Bears. Or I mean, he would fit well with the Bears, don't get me wrong, because under under Nagy. Um, but I don't think that he's gonna fall that far just because of what we've seen on tape. His, his, you know, this season in his college career. So um, I, I love him with the Panthers. I think Matt Rule will do wonders with him in development as well. Um, much in the learning from Bridgewater, that, that's, you can't really beat that. Teddy Bridgewater, I know, isn't necessarily the most flashy guy as a quarterback, but he's a genius. He has a great quarterback IQ, a great, you know, football IQ when it comes to the game. So learning from him is going to be huge. And I think Zach Wilson is going to be a perfect fit for the Panthers. And don't be surprised if we see him in, you know, two to three years. Yeah. And I think, Teddy Bridgewater, I almost feel like he doesn't get enough credit. I'm not saying Teddy Bridgewater is great. Lance the Panthers and learn for a year. I I like the Lance pick as well, but um, we'll get to Lance actually just a, just a bit. Uh, Wilson mid first in my opinion, maybe the Bears. Um, see, I personally don't think the Bears take a quarterback. I think they'll take one, but I don't think it's going to be in the first round. Um, but if they got anything, anything can happen. I saw, I saw one today where they traded up for Zach Wilson, um, in the top 10. Um, but, um, I, I love Zach Wilson and I, I was saying, well, Teddy Bridgewater, I, Teddy Bridgewater, I'm not saying he's great, but I also think there's times where he is better than, is better than people give him credit for. Um, obviously people are knocking him off because of his injuries. He's not a bad quarterback. 
And I think that the way he's performing this year, I think could be a possibility of potentially veering the Panthers away of um, potentially veering the Panthers away from taking quarterback in the first round. Um, Dak in the fourth, got to find a gems. Remember the name Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati. Uh, I'm just going to throw that out there, but yeah, but (laughs) Zach Wilson to the Panthers. I love it. Yep, and then we'll, we'll we'll keep on moving here, and this is who Perry was just mentioning, and that is going to be with the eighth pick. The Washington football team is going to take quarterback out of North Dakota State and Trey Lance. So this is where we flip-flopped. I had Zach Wilson here, um, but the quarterback situation is beginning to become a bigger concern as the week goes. Um, if you look at the best quarterback in the NFC East right now, um, it's either I wouldn't even I almost don't even want to say it's Carson Wentz, um, but even if it is Carson Wentz, is not really saying that much. Um, that team, even Dan- Daniel Jones is a hamstring injury, expected to miss some time. Um, but you're coming in, you have a, you have a new coach, uh, second year coach now in, in, in Ron Rivera. You have guys to build around you of Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure I think J.D. McKissick is one of the, the best, like the better. I think he's one of the top under or third down backs in the NFL, like something like that, like right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, Antonio Gibson obviously put on a show uh, Thanksgiving against the Cowboys. Sorry for that, Perry. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> Perry McLaurin, I personally would love to see Jamar Chase here, but the quarterback issue is just – the quarterback is the biggest concern for them right now. Um, and I don't see Alex Smith, you know, being there for years to come. Um, if he wins comeback player of the year, that would be amazing. Um, I hope he does, but um, Kyle Allen is not their answer. Um, I think they're going to trade Dwayne Haskins. I think they should trade Dwayne Haskins because he's gotten multi, he's been given multiple opportunities and it's clearly showing that, they don't believe in Dwayne Haskins. They don't think he's their guy. Um, so Trey Lance, I like. Um, when is Alex Smith's contract up? Um, I don't know. He, I don't even think he's up this year. Um, so even then, you keep Smith for a year and sit Lance. I don't see Lance. I don't think Lance should, um, you know, come in and be that day one guy. Um, I think Lance would benefit a lot sitting for at least a year. Um, and we've seen what North Dakota state running or quarterbacks have come out as, I mean, Carson Wentz, Easton stick, obviously, but Trey Lance could be another guy added to that list of talented quarterbacks from, um, North Dakota state. And I like, I like this pick here a lot. Yeah. See, that's where I I differentiate from you a little bit, Sam, is I think in my opinion, I think that Washington will kind of move him more towards, Hey, you're starting right off the bat just because of your raw ability. Uh, it's just such a live arm. Just it's so hard not to fall in love with him after watching, you know, film and everything on him. It's it sucks we didn't get to see him play this season, and that's kind of you know the downfall of Trey Lance from not being the second quarterback taken. Um, and he's only played one season at North Dakota State, so um, he's going to have to have a lot of you know time to season and everything like that. So I get where you're saying and coming from, but. A typical Washington fashion, I think they're just going to go ahead and push him in there. Would it be great for him to learn under a Kyle Allen or, or an Alex Smith? Absolutely. But uh, as we know, Washington, they're, they're not going to do that. They're going to take a raw quarterback and try and force him 
into being the guy when he's not ready to be the guy. So uh, it, I like the pick. I think Trey Lance fits a lot better. This is why I made this original choice. And I think Zach Wilson fits a lot better with the Panthers more so than Trey Lance does with the Panthers, even though Trey Lance would probably have a great career with the Panthers if he was able to sit behind Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater and learn. But I just think Zach Wilson and Matt Rule, that kind of thing is going to you know work out very well for them. And then Washington's going to end up with Trey Lance, which – Honestly, Trey Lance, in my opinion, is more of a pocket passer than Zach Wilson might be. Zach Wilson's more of a, I'm going to kind of get outside the pocket and, and then make something happen, you know, more of your your Patty Mahomes type, not necessarily comparing him to that, but, uh, you know, just more of that style, rollouts, bootlegs, all that type of deal. And then Trey Lance is more of like, under center, I'm going to take a nice little five-step drop, and then I'm going to go through my progressions. If it's not there, I'm going to throw it deep. That fits Washington. That's what Washington originally wanted out of Haskins did not get that because you throw a guy into the fire too early. So, um, guys, and we'll move on there. Top eight. <laughs> um, and we'll go over to the lions at number nine and they've got the first wide receiver off the board here in a very deep wide receiver class. And that's Jamar Chase at LSU. I don't like this as a Packer fan, but it makes the most sense here. Um, you have Kenny Galladay and you have Marvin Jones up. Kenny Galladay has been hurt, um, but I think if they're smart, I think Kenny Galladay um, is the second best wide receiver in the NFC North. I would say Kenny you Galladay. Gotta, you got to remember, I don't, I hate to interrupt you, Sam, but you have to go remember on, both on. Kenny, both Kenny Galladay and Marvin um, Jones are both Marvin Jones, Marvin, Marvin Jones, Marvin yep. Jones are both in the last year of their contracts here, yep, as yep. Well as Dan, and Danny Amendola is too. So they're not going to yep. keep all three. Right. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, I think if they're smart, they keep Kenny Galladay because I think Marvin Jones is gone. Uh, Marvin Jones was a name that was heating up in wider and trade rumors during the deadline or before the deadline. Um, I don't like this as a Packer fan, but you have you draft Jamar Chase. You re-sign Kenny Galladay. Yes, he has been hurt, but Kenny Galladay, they have to keep one. Um, and Quintez Cephas has played um, a little bit more than I expected him to. Um, but Quintus Cephas possesses a lot of athleticism and his, the only knock uh, people, so many people are giving him the knock because he had a disappointing combine. I think he ran like a four, seven or four, seven, four forty. Um, and it was unfortunate that that off the field incident, um, that thankfully he was, he was innocent of it, but we don't have to talk about that. But my point is if he would have played that entire year, I think he would have been drafted even earlier. But you have Quintez Cephas, you have Marvin Jones, who's up. Danny Amendola's up, like you just said, with Jamar Chase and Kenny Galladay. I think that would be an unbelievable duo um, for Matthew Stafford. And Matt Patricia's gone. Bob Quinn's gone, as we <laughs> as we saw last week. And one of the names that's going to be heating up, I know Moose dropped an article last week. Um, I can give that a shout-out as well. Definitely go give that a uh, check. Check that out. Uh, he wrote uh, – few team fits um matthew stafford is his name might be you know heating up i mean will if they bring in a, a new coach is he going to want to start over with the quarterback to groom to you know build for the future or is he going to want to keep stafford and maybe draft the quarterback um in this draft like within the first i would even between the third and the fifth round i would maybe even say Shane Bouchelle, draft jam quarterback, your dark horse Heisman candidate. Um, but Matthew Stafford's going to be an interesting name. 
um, to see what happens with him if they end up keeping him, if they end up looking um, looking for trade suitors for him. But Jamar Chase is an outstanding pick here. Jamar Chase, if they're smart, they keep Kenny Galladay. Jamar Chase and Kenny Galladay, that's one of the best duos in the NFC North wide receiver duos right there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think Marvin Jones is probably the odd man out here. Um, <clears throat> Marvin Jones is probably going to get wide receiver one money just based off of his production over these past, what, three or four years there in Detroit. So, I mean, good for Marvin Jones. He's, he's a great wide receiver. But uh, Detroit's not going to want to pay him the money that he's going to be asking for, in my opinion. So this is the right pick here. Uh, originally, I think I would have had, in this case, before the injury, maybe Jalen Waddle here. Um, I just feel like it's a, a better compliment to, you know, Galladay and what they're doing there as well. Uh, but with the injury, that kind of takes that back a step. And then you throw in Jamar Chase, who, you know, kind of bursted on the scene last year and has, I think he opted out the rest of this season. So um, you don't really get to see what he's done this season. But last season, he, was, he wasn't he was even the number one guy. He had Justin Jefferson. So he he put up numbers like he did last year with, with the number one wide receiver on the other side of him. So. Um, Jamar Chase going to the Lions. That's scary. Who are you going to cover? Jamar Chase or Kenny Galladay? Or, or, or I say Danny Amendola stays in the slot. What are you going to do? Who are you going to cover? But uh, you could say that for, for this year, too. I mean, Kenny Galladay, Danny Amendola. But it all is going to come back to that quarterback play for, for the Lions. And can Matt Stafford and, you know, their offense get going? It's all. It just always seems so, like, muck and, like, they're just stuck and they're just, you know, slowly rolling down the field. So, we need some explosive plays out of the Lions, and maybe Jamar Chase kind of bring kind of brings that. Yeah, and I like it's interesting that you bring up Jalen Waddle too, because of you know Kenny Galladay is their big bodied receiver. He's 6'4", 214. and you know if they end up keeping him and letting Marvin Jones walk, Marvin Jones is their you know un, like undersized guy that possesses an elite amount of speed. That was that would have been what Jalen Waddle would have brought to them, um, but obviously, yeah, because of the injury. Jalen Waddle is going to fluctuate most likely throughout the first round. I'd be shocked if he falls out of the first um, just because what he, even what he did before he was hurt, before he got hurt, unfortunately, um, was unbelievable. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, we'll keep things moving now. Um, we're going from the Lions to the Falcons, and the Falcons are going to be taking one of the biggest risers. Uh, I think you're the one who pointed this out before I have even – had even heard anything from any other mock experts or NFL experts or anything. And that's Quiddy pay edge from Michigan heading to Atlanta to join the Falcons. Yeah. Um, I, I think I said last time that Gregory Russo is on a whole nother level. Um, Gregory Russo opted out and I, that's the name. I mean, we'll get to him, but I think Quiddy pay is going to be the first edge off the board. Um, and I think there's a strong possibility. I think I texted you. I said, Quiddy pay is going top 10 to top 12. Um, Atlanta Falcons is an outstanding pick. They've, you know, they've, they've struggled to find their long-term answer at the edge rusher position. Tack McKinley was cut. Um, I think he was, he's been through like three different teams now. I don't even, I'm not really sure where he is. I think he might even be a free agent. Um, and, uh, Vic Beasley's gone. Um, I think they had Dante Fowl, you know, I'm not sorry, Vic Beasley. Yeah, he's gone. But they not only do they need more depth, but they need a true edge rusher. And right. Pay is the definition of a true edge rusher and their identity at the edge rusher position. Outstanding pick here. 
Yeah, I think last time we had Gregory Russo uh, going in this position. I think maybe the Falcons were a little bit, you know, higher up in mm-hmm. the draft board. But I mean, period. Gregory Russo opting out did not do him any favors because there's a lot of DNs out there that are kind of a name for themselves at this point, and Quiddy Pay is one of those. Like I said before, you mentioned Quiddy Pay to me before I even know who Quiddy before I even knew who Quiddy Pay was. So when you when you get that you know, type of reaction over somebody who watches college football as much as I do. And you're like, wow, this kid just kind of, he had a, he had a great, a great season in his own terms last year, um, personally. And then, you know, turning it into what he's done so far this season, absolutely astronomical. He, he is just moving up the boards, his, his demeanor, his personality, everything about him is just all well-rounded and it just, you know, kind of completes the whole process for him in terms of being a, not only an athlete, but a a great person as well. And teams are going to fall in love with that. And I think that's why he's going to be going up this high and being a top 10 pick. And when it comes to Atlanta, they need edge rushing. They haven't had an edge rushing in, in years. Um, I mean, I I can't tell you their last great edge rusher that they had because it's just been that long. I know they had Vic Beasley, but I mean, they couldn't even develop him into, you know, what he was, what his ceiling was supposed to be coming out of the NFL draft in college. So uh, we'll see what the Falcons are able to do with Quiddy Pay, and hopefully it works out because I love that kid. I, I think he's he's one of my favorite players heading into the draft. I just thought of something from like our later picks that I want to switch, um, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I think we screwed up, but it's all right. We'll get there. Um, but I was going to say, but it's, I'm going to be, I'm interested to see how many edge rushers go in the first round. Um, Cause I do think obviously Cody pay and Gregory Russo are solidified first round talent. Um, but outside of those, you might see some surprising ones. Joseph Osai from Texas, who has been phenomenal this year um, as well as, you know, Patrick Jones, the second, obviously pick got destroyed by Clemson last Saturday, but Patrick Jones, the second held his own ground and played very well. Um, Hamaker Rasheed Jr. from Oregon State, Jason Owe, Shaka Tony, Aiden Hutchinson, the other Michigan guy. Uh, there was another guy I was thinking of. Um, the guy you were talking about last week from Georgia, Aziz Oljolari. So, I mean, this edge rusher class is looking to be more impressive now. It's kind of scary. Um, just some breaking news while we're in here. It doesn't have anything to do with football, but if you pay attention to college basketball, um, Gonzaga star, potential lottery pick, um, Jalen Suggs just had, you know, possibly a serious injury playing against West Virginia um, just now, uh, maybe looking like an Achilles or lower leg injury, non-contact. So um, we'll see how that plays out. So uh, best best wishes to him. I just kind of wanted to throw that out there because he is, you know, one of those big names in college basketball. Yeah, prayers to him. Hate to see that. Yeah, it's not something you you like to see. Um, But we'll move on here and keep it with football. And we got the Dolphins. Um, They're in here and take Jalen Waddle, wide receiver out out of Alabama. (laughs) So uh, I just want to say this. Um, I want to switch the pick from the next Dolphins pick because I didn't even realize (laughs) that we went both. (laughs) But I did. um, I did on both. I did. Should yeah, we just be honest? Should we just be honest with the people now and just let them know what the Dolphins' later pick is? We have to. We have to. If well, you're so, you know, we put Devontae Smith. That's why. That's why I paused. I'm like, all right. I don't. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to do this. I, we got to switch this. But that's what, that's what I said earlier. That's what I said earlier. It's just going to be Alabama down in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll get there. We'll come to a consensus on there. On there when we get down there. But we're going to keep Jalen Waddle here 
Okay. Um, because I love this pick. Um, I think regardless of his injury, unfortunately, I think he'll. St- I think he still has a strong chance of going in the top half of the first round. And like mm-hmm. I said, what he was able to do before his injury this season was absolutely phenomenal. And like people were moving him up the rankings of, um, you know, being like a top two wide receiver in the draft, like right behind Jamar Chase, even close with Rashad Bateman. I mean, I think this guy's a, like a top three. I think this, I would put this guy at three. I would put Jalen, I would go Jamar Chase. Um, Rashad Bateman, Jalen Waddle, um, but and obviously Rashad Bateman opted out last week after the news broke out that the Minnesota Wisconsin game was canceled. Um, but <laughs> we'll get down there. But um, yeah, I I love the Jalen Waddle pick, and even whatever Alabama receiver ends up, hopefully will end up in in Miami. I think it's a match made in heaven for Tua. Yeah, it, you can't ask for much more because either way, you're probably going to get one of your previous wide receivers that you had in college. <laughs> um, so I can't really beat that, you know. But uh, yeah, Galen Waddle, freak of nature when it comes to just seeing the field, um, pure athleticism, not the biggest guy, but knows how to wiggle. Uh, did it all when he had other number one wide receivers on his team. Um, still put up the best touchdown numbers, I think, on the team, even though he had Jeez, dude. He had rugs. He had um uh who else did he have? You guys know uh he had Jerry Judy, he had rugs. Judy, Judy, there you go. Judy and rugs. I always forget about Judy because he plays for the Broncos now and everybody forgets about the Broncos and how Drew Locke is ruining, you know, Judy's career or whatever, whatever. Um (laughs) but anyway, yeah, I like I like Jalen Waddle Dolphins, uh pairing him back up with Tua's genius. Uh I don't think I need to go much more into that. He's just a freak. (laughs) <laughs> I have a pick down to 22, um, but we will get to that unless you want me to say it now. Um, unless you want me to say it now, otherwise we can wait. We'll wait, we'll wait, we'll wait. We'll wait. Okay. okay, so okay. Speaking, of, speaking of the Broncos, uh, we'll go um, there. and They're going to take probably, in my opinion, the most improved oh, you know, player absolutely. in terms of this draft and in terms of you know ratings or, or grades or anything like that. And that's offensive tackle out of Virginia Tech and Christian mm. Darisol. Yeah, and I think I mentioned he is one of the best, um, you know, pass blocking grades in the country. Um, and you, you hit it right on the money there, Caleb. When you said, I mean, at his position, obviously with Penny Sewell opting out, this guy is one of the most improved at his position right now. Um, he's making a case for being the second offensive tackle overall in this draft. Um, and I don't think they should be giving up on Drew Locke yet. Um, and I think he needs protection. They just extended Garrett Bowles. Garrett Bowles has been very disappointing up until this year. He's the best left tackle in football this year. Uh, one of, if not the best right now. Um, so I think he got the he got a well-deserved extension. Um, and it's good to see a, a lineman like him, you know, kind of pop off. I they, 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 they did draft Dalton Reisner a few years ago. Um, so they need more depth at the tackle position. Uh, but Darisol, I think, is a guy that can come in and compete. And – um, the game that really stood out to everyone, including myself, was his his matchup against Quincy Roche, and that that's why I, I picked Jalen Phillips. Yep, that's why I picked Jalen Phillips. Uh, you know, two weeks ago, is because we saw more flashes of Jalen Phillips against Virginia Tech than we did at Quincy Roche. Quincy Roche, Christian Darrisaw only held uh, Quincy Roche only had what, I think two or three tackles uh, right. throughout that entire game, um, and that says a lot. And like that. 
that's the same thing I mentioned. I've mentioned multiple times with Cody Pig over Tristan Wirfs last year. And when he was beating him with his speed and athleticism on the inside. So um, Christian Derrissaw, I, I love his talent. He is one of the most, one of, if not the most improved guys at his position right now. Um, and I love this pick for the Broncos. They need to protect Drew Locke. I don't think they should give up on Drew Locke right now. No, you don't give up on Drew Locke. It's too early. Um, I think right. there, there is promise. It's just, you know, you got to <laughs> get him comfortable back there. Once you get Drew Locke comfortable back there, you, you I mean, we saw glimpses of it last season. So if you get him comfortable mm-hmm. back there in the pocket, back there that he's, he's not having to, you know, look down and can, can keep his eyes on his wide receivers and where he's going, um, then he can be a, a very promising quarterback. And that's where this starts, and that's where you get Christian Darisol entering the conversation here with the Broncos. Most improved player, highest graded offensive tackle up to this point in the season, um, according to Pro Football Focus. So he's absolutely making wonderful strides from last year. This year, um, he was pretty decent last year, if I remember correctly. But um, he has just kind of just ran up the draft boards, uh, number coming in number two offensive lineman off the board right behind uh, Panay Sewell. So uh, that's great for him. And, and you know what? When you when you put him there, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with that Broncos offense because then you you give you know Judy more time to get open. And then there goes out the window of what I was just talking about of how Drew Locke is ruining Judy's career because he's you know not getting him the ball enough or whatever. Maybe that's because Judy doesn't have enough time to get open, even though he's a very quick wide receiver. He needs to be a little bit, maybe grow a little bit more in his own self. But if you give Drew Locke a little bit more time back there, that's going to be, that's going to work wonders. And we've seen Drew Locke have his injury problems as well. So keeping him clean off his back, that's going to be huge for, you know, the Broncos moving forward in terms of their success. And I, I love Christian Darisol here. Uh, anybody can make the case that, you know, the second offensive tackle off the board could probably be Cosme. Um, but the way Christian Darisol has played, you mentioned against Roche, uh, Roche. Um, there at Miami. Uh, what more can you say? Uh, Roche is very easily a early day two guy, um, late day one. So he could move his way up there. So, I mean, if you do that and you grade out the way he did against, against Quincy Roche, that's incredible. And that shows that you are able to go against these, you know, higher talented, higher, you know, motor type lengthy guys, physical guys on the defensive end position, and you can protect a, a blind side. And that's what we're looking at with Christian Darisol. Moving on from there, we got another offensive lineman here going to the Bears at number 13. That's an offensive lineman from Tennessee, Trey Smith. Perry, if you're watching this one, or I guess I don't, I'm, I can't remember if we have any Bears fans. I think one of the recent uh, newcomers, Ethan, is a Bears fan. Um, mm-hmm. I think the Bears will take a quarterback. I don't see it in the first round. Um, I like Trey Smith specifically for the Bears. I think we had, we might have had Darisaw last time, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but I like I like Trey Smith specifically for the Bears because the run game for the Bears struggles, and that's what Trey Smith excels in. Um, he has an 83.9 run blocking grade. His pass blocking is good, but the run blocking is what he excels in. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was one of the top recruits um, in his in his recruiting class. And I think he picked Tennessee over Alabama, but I might be wrong. I, I think he picked Tennessee over Alabama, but uh, we don't have to go deep into that. But um, I love this pick. Um, and it seems like the Bears are losing, starting to lose faith in David Montgomery after um, one 
one struggling year. Um, I don't like when teams do that um, on with certain positions, but um, I think Trey Smith's a guy that will help you immensely. Um, maybe even potentially can, you know, compete for that starting job. I think he has the talent to do that. And I think he would help their run, their run game a lot. Yeah, I like it. Um, I think it's a good pick. It's going to help their running game. And that's where they've kind of been lacking because you can't pass the ball unless you have a running game. I mean, it's been proven Tampa Bay last year, they couldn't run the ball. Um, or they chose not to, and that's a perfect example. And the Bears are kind of doing the same thing this year. They try and run the ball. They can't run the ball, so they have to throw the ball, and they get behind, and then that's all what happens from there, and it just you know snowballs into what it is for the Bears. So And they have to rely on their defense. But David Montgomery's not a bad, bad running back. He had one good year, and now he's had one down year. And you know he's had injuries aside from that. He still hasn't produced at the level that he did the, the previous season. So for them to be able to get back to that, they're going to need some interior offensive line help. And that's exactly where Trey Smith enters here. He's a hog molly. He's a big boy up yeah. front, you know, uh, just, you know, bluegrass type guy who's going to go in there and just do his job the way he's supposed to do. He he can also, you know, switch over to tackle if need be. Because in both guard and tackle, which is offensive line that is very questionable in terms of both pass blocking as well so um he's a very versatile guy he's a big hog molly guy like i was saying before i love the fit there with trey smith um from tennessee there in chicago and that's one of those guys i mentioned micah parsons um he we talked about him living up to every second of his hype um from the second he stepped foot on penn state when he was recruited 100 and i think you can make a case for trey smith potentially being that because trey smith was one of the top recruits in his recruiting class and he's been nothing short of impressed he's been nothing but impressive um ever since he stepped foot on a college football field um and yeah i love this pick um another name another name i was hoping would enter last year this draft but he was hurt i'm hoping we see him um early day two early to mid day two and that's walker little from stanford um not in our first round but um, i think the big injury from last year might hurt him a li little bit but he's improving his draft stock but Trey Smith to the Bears. I love it here. Yep, it's a great pick. Mm -hmm. um, moving on, we got the Vikings at 14, same division here. We got Wyatt Davis, interior offensive lineman, so guard there at Ohio State. Uh, you want to go ahead and break us down for that, Sam? Yeah, I think we had Wyatt Davis last time. Um, I can also see them going corner. Um, I Actually, I might have put – this is where I almost put Sean Wade. I thought I almost put them to the hidden to the Broncos. This is where I almost put Sean Wade. Um, but I, I think this offensive line needs so much help. Um, and got to remember now that the Vikings don't have their early second round pick from the Yannick trade. They had the, the Jag, they traded that to the Jags. Um, so this first, this first pick right now for them is going to be crucial. And I think it's either going to be interior O-line, um, I guess O-line in general, um, or a corner, um, but I like Wyatt Davis. We picked him last time. I think this is a match made in heaven. I think it helps Delvin Cook so a lot. I think it makes Delvin Cook. It helps their run game, makes their run game a whole lot better um, than it already is with Delvin Cook in their backfield, um, and I like this pick a lot. Yeah, we've seen kind of Dalvin having to struggle a little bit in terms of, you know, getting it going until he breaks one. So mm -hmm. what happens when you give him an interior offensive lineman who's comfortable playing that position and getting into a run blocking scheme? And that's exactly what uh, Wyatt Davis does. Uh, he, he's just a – he's a road – I don't even know. He, he just carries like 
<laughs> he carries like defensemen with him. He just like can take <laughs> up like two guys at one time. And you give Dalvin Cook that type of you know that type of room to run and and watch out. I mean, Dalvin Cook has run behind terrible offensive lines since <laughs> his time in college. So I mean, it, it's it's you give Dalvin Cook room. Imagine what's going to happen. I know everybody wants to talk about the quarterback situation there in, in Minnesota, but your guy is Dalvin cook. And if, if you want to continue that success, you're going to have to be able to run the ball, which is what you speak about a lot in, in pro football nowadays, running, then passing the ball, you know, using the run to set up the pass. So, which works in Kirk cousins favor because he's a much better passer when it comes to play action passes. So if you can give Dalvin that space, I don't, what do you even do at that point? Because uh, Dalvin's already proven at this point that he can do all this with, you know, a very salvageable offensive line, but give him a guy in the middle who can take up, you know, two guys in the, in the middle or or take up a linebacker and a defensive lineman. That's going to do wonders for the Vikings in terms of, you know, projecting them into the future and where they're going to go. But moving off the Vikings, we got, uh, uh, the Patriots. <laughs> this one's fun. I love this pick. Uh, Kyle Pitts, tight end from Florida, going to Bill Belichick's uh, New England Patriots. I'm going to go ahead and say that you were right on this one because you wanted to put Kyle Pitts last time, and I think the Patriots were at 10, and we decided to go Jamar Chase with this route. Um, but Kyle Pitts is good. <laughs> Anthony, if you're listening to this one, Anthony doesn't like when the Patriots pick offense um, or when, I guess, Bill Belichick picks offense. Um, but you're going to be very satisfied with this pick as well. Uh, Dalton Keene's not your number one tight end. Uh, Devin Asiasi's not your number one tight end. Kyle Pitts is a number one tight end. Kyle Pitts oh. is looking to make the margin from one to two, uh, first to second tight end. He's making that margin bigger. Um, going into this year, it was Pat Fryermuth, like being the best guy. Um, uh, but we've seen some struggles out of Pat Fryermuth. Um, Hence the reason I almost wanted to leave him out of this, this first round. But um, I mean, where we have him, you see him there. We'll get to that. But it makes sense for that team. But <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. But Kyle Pitts can line up as a receiver. And the Patriots, need they don't have depth at receiver. Nikhil Harry, I am not, I'm not giving up on Nikhil Harry. Um, but he cannot stay healthy. He's dealt with so many concussions. He has so much potential. Um, and the Patriots have yet to unlock it just because he's been hurt all this time. Um, and I think you, if you, you draft a tight end like Kyle Pitts that can line up both as a tight end and a wide receiver, I think that's going to help him immensely. Yeah, so Kyle Pitts is uh, compared to Darren Waller a lot. Um, yep, I saw that. I don't know if you've seen that or not, which mm-hmm. I think he could possibly be better than Darren Waller because he's, I, I, in my opinion, he's a better pass catcher. Um, it, not necessarily a better blocker. I think Darren Waller probably wins that battle, but as a better pass catcher, which is what teams are honestly looking for nowadays. <laughs> if, you're, if you're an above average tight end, a blocking tight end, that's okay. But if you're like a great pass catching tight end and you have that above average blocking ability as a tight end, then that's what you know teams are keying in on and this is the time for the patriots to re-key into that tight end position i mean you look back they have gronk they had albeit you know probably one of the worst people ever uh aaron hernandez at tight end but i mean he was a hell of a hell of a tight end and in when you mentioned gronk too like they they've the buccaneers have praised him for his blocking and right even like before mid-season bruce arians came out and said um 
Gronk is not our pass catching tight end. He's our blocking tight end. Um, but I mean, they've they've gone out and praised him for his blocking. Um, but yeah, continue. I just want to throw that out there. No, I mean definitely, and that's the thing is like the, he's not like a scrub. <clears throat> like he's not a scrub when it comes to blocking as a tight end, and neither is Kyle Pitts. And being able to have a weapon on the offensive side of the ball that you can trust and rely on is huge for Bill Belichick's type of offensive, you know, genius that he likes to run there in New England. And he hasn't had that this year. I mean, you mentioned what two to three tight ends that just never no doesn't come across anybody's minds. You mentioned Akil Harry who hasn't progressed at the level that we thought he was going to. You got um, Jacoby Myers who is the best you know weapon right now on on the Patriots outside of Camp Newton, which, you know, you can't really rely on, or, or what's their running back's name? Um, Harris, um, right? Damien Harris, James White. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, you've got to, you need, you need some playmakers there in new England. And I think Kyle Pitts is going to bring that to him. We'll move on and we'll go to uh, the San Francisco 49ers and they're going to be taking a cornerback here uh, out of South Carolina and JC Horn. Yeah. We talked about this before we went on the air. Um, I think I went tackle here. I have to remember which position or which player specifically that I went. Um, but I think corner makes, I almost want to say even more sense here just because they've got so many guys up for new deals. Um, right. Richard Sherman, uh, I think went, is one of went, them. You went Cosby, by the way. You went Samuel Cosby, offensive tackle. Um, yeah. Um, and I think I think they could go a line, um, but I think I think corner, um, especially with their first pick, and they, they need – this corner, this cornerback class is pretty deep. It's pretty impressive. Um, and I think the number one need for them, I think, is corner. Um, I could see them just just because of how deep this cornerback class is, class is I can see them waiting um, until the second round for that. But I love this J.C. Horn pick, and you know I like J.C. Horn a lot. Um, I think we had him to – I don't even remember the Cardinals maybe last time um, – and obviously his big game that I think that really opened the eyes was his game against South Carolina when he went up against Seth Williams, held his own ground against Auburn. Kyle. He went, up, he went up against Auburn. <laughs> What's that? He went up against Auburn, not not his own team. <laughs> oh, I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> Auburn, Seth Williams, thank you. <laughs> and then held his own ground against uh, even Kyle Pitts. Um and obviously one of the knocks, um, one, I think he is physical. Um, I don't think he's necessarily like Sean Wade physical. Um, and he has caused penalties. And I know, I know you've pointed that out as well. Um, so that's something that he does need to work on. He did opt out. Um, and for his campaign, I, the way he's been performing, I think he's very, very close to solidifying himself as a first-round talent. And I, I think he is first-round talent. Yeah, I like J.C. Horn here. You, you were just speaking on Seth Williams. That kind of, you know, put um, in the past. He improved in terms of, you know, showing me a little bit more of what you're going to be able to do against physical wide receivers in the NFL because they're going to be trying to pull or get these flags that it's a lot different in college. Instead of 15 yards, it's it's the it's the spot of the foul. So um, you're not just giving up 15 now. You you might be saving a touchdown, but you're also giving up 50 yards. So um, something JC JC's got to work on. But I love his physicality. I love his playmaking ability. Um, I think he's gonna fit in. You know, great there with the 49ers. You know, 
He reminds me a lot of Richard Sherman, which is kind of scary. Um, and if he gets it down to where he can, you know, just lock in instead of just being, you know, a guy that takes chances. But um, we'll see where that leads for JC. But I, I like to pick there for the Niners. And then leading in from there, we got the Raiders at number 17, taking Gregory Russo, the edge out of Miami, who decided to opt out this season. Yeah, this is the pick that we, uh, you know, had dropping. Um, and I think the edge rusher class, yeah, I think he's going to be the second one. But, I mean, there's multiple edge rushers. Um, and I know you have it. It's totally fine. But you even see Jason Oway down the board. We, we've, we've got, like, we're seeing multiple edge rushers off the board in the first round. Um, Greg, Gregory Russo, I mean, you, we, you know um, Mike Mayock. Mike Mayock went Cleveland Farrell at four. Um, wasn't, hasn't been great. But he's been productive. I mean, and especially Cleveland Farrell, total Mike Mayock pick. Henry Ruggs, total Mike Mayock pick. Damon Arnett, Jonathan Abram, all those guys are totally, totally, total picks that, you know, a guy like Mike Mayock, Mike Mayock is a literal draft genius. Um, loves his Clemson guys, ACC guys. I like this fit a lot. It's a big bodied guy, it's a force, moves unbelievably well for his size. Um, very explosive, active with his hands. Um, and that's Gregory Russo. And obviously we just mentioned he opted out. Um, and I think that's a big reason why we're going to see, we might see Quiddy pay taken first edge taken off the board. Um, but I think, I think an edge rusher, we had Quiddy pay here, um, last time. Um, but I think an edge rusher makes so much sense. Cleveland Farrell and, and Gregory Russo, um, could be lethal. I think it could be very lethal. Yeah, I uh, Raiders always to be able to snag, you know, the edge rushers that are, you know, I don't, not a lot of people know about, but like a lot of people forget about. I, I know everybody knows about Gregory Rousseau, but I feel like everybody's kind of forgot about him. We have ourselves. I mean, opting out and everything like that. And then the emergence of Quiddy Pay, you know, kind of throws Gregory Rousseau on the back burner here in terms of everybody else's mind. But he's still a, a hell of a player, excuse my language, but uh, he, he's a great, great edge rusher, very lean, very quick, very smart with his hands, gets off quick, um, very quick twitch guy. And he's going to do wonders for the Raiders. And uh, apparently they're, they're good at – the Raiders are good at, you know, developing <laughs> edge rushers. Um, and you, you see that by uh, Mac being with the Bears and what they got out of that trade from the Bears too. So um, hopefully, you know, this one sticks with them because they, they could absolutely use it. I think what you meant by that too is not many people saw Cleveland Farrell um, being the first edge rusher off the board at number four um, to the Raiders. I personally would have taken Brian Burns over um, over Cleveland Farrell, but obviously Cleveland Farrell, he's a promising player. He's, he's starting to work out for them, um, and this is, this is a, could be a very lethal duo for them for years to come. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, it, it, should, it should ball out, and that's good. Um, we'll move on from the Raiders here, and we'll go into the Ravens, who, you know, <laughs> just had to play with uh, Trace McSorley. <laughs> ball in. <laughs> ball out. 70-yard throw. Awesome. dime. <laughs> uh, but they're going to pick up a wide receiver here in Rashad Bateman, uh, everybody's favorite wide receiver out of Minnesota. Yeah, I think wide receiver makes the most sense here. Miles um, Boykin's not a true number two guy. Um, I like Willie Sneed, not as a number two, but I like Willie Sneed as a number three. I mean, he was productive in New Orleans as a number three guy. Um, and he's putting up, he's, he's 
he's putting up productive numbers this year with the Ravens. Um, so I like, if, especially if they keep Willie Sneed, I'd like to see them get a big-bodied receiver. Rashad Bateman is not necessarily a big-bodied receiver, but Minnesota was struggling this year, but Rashad Bateman was still putting up Rashad Bateman numbers. Rashad Bateman was putting up 100-yard games, 100-receiving um, yard games. Um, not your big-bodied receiver, but he's such an elite route runner. Um, you have Marquise Brown, um, and – Marquise Brown obviously was frustrated with the targets he was getting, the limited not limited amount of targets he was getting. Um, but I think Marquise Brown and Rashad Bateman would be a really, really nice duo. Um, I'd like to see them get a big-bodied receiver. But Rashad Bateman, I don't think you can go wrong with it all here. I think it's, uh, it's, it's the smartest pick out there. You know, DeVerney is mm -hmm. kind of coming into his own right now in terms of, you know, their young wide receivers. They also have Miles um, Boykin who has not lived up to any hype that he was built up to coming into um, the season. Um, and it's just kind of gone downhill. All you've got is, you know, Marquise Brown, who's your weapon outside, but he's smaller. Uh, you've got Mark Andrews is probably your number one target there on the offensive yep. side of the ball. You need somebody else to complement those guys. And what better than a big wide receiver who's got great route running abilities and great hands on top of it. And, and Rashad Bateman, I, I love him there. Um, I love taking him over Devontae Smith from Alabama. I also love taking him over, you know, Rondell Moore from Purdue. Uh, I, I love what Rashad Bateman has been able to do. I love the type of person he is as well. And I think that's a, that's a great fit, uh, especially because you're going to need to show off Lamar Jackson in his arm talent at some point <laughs> or what could be arm talent. We're not really sure. I mean, we see the flick of the wrist like we saw last year, but it's kind of disappeared this season. And maybe giving him a big wide receiver, a big target outside of Mark Andrews will help in that. Right. And they 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 recently called up Des Bryant to the active roster, signed Des Bryant to the active roster. Um, and, you know, he's, he's their big-bodied guy that they need. I mean, they need a big-bodied receiver. You just mentioned Marquise Brown's not necessarily a big-bodied receiver. Um, we... Might be a strong possibility. We don't see Des Bryant on the Ravens specifically for their future. Um, I think Des Bryant would have to go off. But, hey, I mean, he could be on a one-year prove-it deal um, again with the Ravens. Um, but uh, and even then, you have a big-bodied receiver in Des Bryant and two stud elite route runners in Marquise Brown and Rashad Bateman. And I like the – like, look at the look at what the Ravens have done with their tight ends. Look what they've done with Mark Andrews. Hayden Hurst developed into a starting role in Atlanta. I don't think I don't Max Williams, I think, has yet to live up as a pass catcher. I think he excels more as, you know, as a blocker. Um, but Max Williams is now the starting tight end. Um, you know, the tight end tight end with the Cardinals alongside Dan Arnold. Uh, D3 guy, UW Platteville. I love those D3 football guys that make it to the NFL. Um, but yeah, I mean. Rashad Bateman can't go wrong here. Rashad Bateman, if they if they keep Des Bryant, Rashad Bateman, Des Bryant, Marquise Brown, that gives Lamar Jackson more weapons. And we need to see more arm. We need to see more of that arm talent um, because we know Lamar Jackson can win you games with his feet. We need to see more of Lamar Jackson um, in the passing game. He's not a terrible passing quarterback. We just don't see enough of it. And if you give him more weapons – I think that's going to help Lamar a lot. 
Oh, it definitely will. And, and that's where, <clears throat> you know, Bateman comes into play. Um, but let's switch over to Giants and, and keep this thing moving here, Sam. And we got Samuel Cosme, offensive tackle out of Texas, going to the Giants. I personally believe this is the most perfect fit um, that you could have there for New York in terms of keeping, you know, Daniel Jones clean and off his bottom and not having to run for his life and then tripping on the 20. Um, so, you know, I, I love Samuel Cosme right here to the Giants. I think it's an absolutely perfect fit. Yeah. And, you know, Andrew Thomas has shown a lot of struggles um, for the fourth pick. I've always been on the side of um, it was the right fourth pick. Um, it wasn't a reach. A lot of people thought it was a reach. Some people don't think his ceiling is very high, um, but you need two tackles. Sam Cosme opt opted out uh, last week, right? Yeah, last week. Um, we're starting to see a small flurry of opt outs, um, and Sam Cosme is one of them. Um, but Sam Cosme is another great guy to you know develop and even potentially put in that starting job um, because if Daniel Jones is their guy, I mean you and you and I you and I think alike on this too because we were on the <laughs> NFL unwrapped. They should not give up on Daniel Jones. I think if they had, which I I cannot believe, like what are they in the top? Their last mock that we did, weren't they? They were in like the top seven, weren't they? And now they're all the way down at nine. Yeah, and now they're all the way down at nine. They were the second overall pick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and now, and now they're all the way down at uh, at 19 because they're winning their division at 4-7. and seven. Um, But Daniel Jones is their guy, and Daniel Jones is a good quarterback. Daniel Jones needs protection. Um, was it the game that he um, – was it against Philly that he ran like 60, 70 yards or whatever and tripped? Yeah, I don't I remember, remember who because, it was. Yeah, he yeah, was yeah, on his I, <laughs> Thursday night football. Yeah. I bring that up because that was a really promising performance by Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones has the arm. He has the arm talent. He has the talent to be that mobile quarterback. He has a talent. They need the protection for him. And Andrew Thomas with Sam Cosme, I think those are really, really solid tackles to build around. Yeah. I, that's beautiful. Um, I just, I just can't imagine anything more that you would want from, for the giants in that position and to be able to compete in, in that division there um, that who knows what's going to happen for years to come, but all teams are building or trying to build. So um, keeping Daniel Jones is huge. In my opinion, I think he's going to be a good quarterback. I think he's, well, I think he is a good quarterback, but I think at some point he's going to be a, a much better quarterback above average. Great. Even so uh, this is, this is going to go a long way. I think Sam, Samuel Cosme is a very solidified offensive tackle guy that you don't mind getting at 19 especially when you started seeing him being like maybe the second offensive lineman taken in the draft. Um, but we'll move on from the Giants there, and we'll head over to the Cardinals there in Arizona, taking uh, Tyson Campbell, cornerback out of Georgia. Yeah, I, th I think the corner, um, the, the secondary corner specifically, because um, they, they just extended Buda Baker um, earlier this season, well-deserved. Um, cornerback to me for the Cardinals is the most glaring need. I think it goes corner. Um, than edge rusher than running back. Um, and I like Tyson Campbell ended 2019 with four pass breakups and 15 total stops. Um, I like this a lot. He's physical. Um, he he's mobile. He has the hip mobility to, you know, open up his hips, anticipate those routes of the receivers. Um, both Georgia quarter corners, Tyson Campbell, Eric Stokes are really draft risers. There's, there's, there's a lot, there's quite a few 
defensive guys on and on Georgia, I should say, in general, that are really rising their draft stock, including Aziz Ajalari, like you mentioned last week. Um, but you know, Patrick Peterson has been. I mean, his name has been in question for trade rumors, and like you know, being on that team in the future for for the, for quite some time, quite a few years. And they only have Drake Kirkpatrick on a one-year deal. Robert Elford struggles to stay healthy. Robert Elford's on the IR for the season. Um, so their secondary right now, their corners right now are already struggling. Yeah, they, they've struggled all season. And then you, you throw in the fact that uh, Patrick Peterson, you mentioned Drake Kirkpatrick, and then also you have Jonathan Joseph. All three of them are on the last leg of their deal this season. So you're going to have to bring in a cornerback. You're not probably going to be able to sign all three um, to the money that they want at the well, – I guess you could let Patrick you know, slide down a little bit just based off of his age. But, I mean, he's also, you know, your biggest guy, your leader on the defense, so are you do that. Um, I love this pick, Tyson Campbell. He's very raw, um, young guy, um, just very, you know, athletic, freaky. Um, just he's there to make plays. Um, he's very long. He's, he's, got, he's got great uh, wingspan, um, which is exactly what you want in a corner. You don't necessarily want height in a corner because that could take away from, you know, um, flipping your hips and, and keeping up with a wide receiver. Or anything like that. So him being, you know, a, a, an average size for a corner, but having that wingspan to be able to, you know, knock down balls once he turns his head is going to play a huge part in his his success when it comes to the NFL. Um, but I like him there with the Cardinals. And we'll move on. And we got the Bucks. Uh, the Bucks have kind of moved up in the draft um, up to this point since our first one, and they are pick number what twenty one here. Yeah, and they're going to be taking Christian Barmore, defensive lineman out of Alabama. So yeah, because we had, they were in the, the one of the last like three four picks. Um, we went Travis Etienne with this one. Um, I think their run defense is a glaring need. Their defensive line specifically um, is a glaring need. Um, before I continue, did Russell Westbrook just get traded? We, yeah, he got traded um, to <laughs> Washington for John Wall on a first. Really? Oh my. Okay. <laughs> I think. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Houston has agreed to trade Russell Westbrook to Washington for Washington for John Wall in the first round pick. Wow. Oh. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, okay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Um, but the D line, they they don't have depth at all. Um, Vita Vea. Vita Vea is a stud, but obviously Vita Vea um, is out for the year with an injury. Um, Christian Barmore, I think that he did struggle a bit, um, his first few games of the season this year. Um, but now he's really starting to come back. Um, and he's definitely a run stuck that the Buccaneers need. It's, it's a great fit, uh, that the Bucks end up here. Uh, obviously <laughs> I would rather have a Super Bowl and be the 32nd pick, but you know, whatever you, you get a nice little depth piece here on the defensive mm-hmm. line behind Bea, which is very much needed because, uh, he, it's a missing component to that defensive line in terms of stopping the run, even though they still are the number one, you know, defensive or run <clears throat> defense team in the NFL right now. But um, ultimately, you know, Barmore, he, he struggled to start. He's kind of picked it up as of recent. Um, he's athletic, super athletic for a defensive lineman. I think the dude runs like a, I don't even remember what the 40 was, but he, he it was just ridiculous of what he can run <clears throat> at, at his size. He's just an absolute athletic freak. He's super young. Um, and you know, this Tampa Bay defense right now is, is super young and athletic 
anyways, I mean, you got Sean, Sean Bunting Murphy, you got, or Sean Murphy, whatever. Sean Murphy Bunting, uh, yeah. Sean Murphy Bunting, yeah. Um, you've got, um, uh, what's his name, at safety. Um, Antoine Winfield Jr. Yeah, Antoine Winfield Jr. You got, on the other side, you got Carlos Davis. Is it Carlos Davis? <laughs> God, man, I'm blanking on all these names, but all, all these guys are young guys. Um, you got Devin White there in the middle at linebacker, who's another young guy. All these guys are playmakers and young and just very raw. And why not add another piece of that for, I mean, when Vita Vea, you know, can move over, you could play two defensive linemen there too, as well with another young guy. And Vita Vea is also another young guy. So a young defense in Tampa Bay who has been actually showing up this season, who can take that next step. I think Christian Barmore fits in perfectly there. Um, I mean, they're, they're, I don't know what else more you can say other than it, it's a perfect depth piece for the Buccaneers. And it's going to help them so much, especially for the fact that they're going to be playing Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey twice a year. So, yeah, which is huge because you got to stop the run games. Right. Uh, but we'll move on here. And this is the, the pick we were talking about earlier. And that's the Dolphins here at 22. Uh, I think we originally had them taking Devontae Smith. Uh, wide receiver Alabama. So, so you know, I want to switch this. If that's okay Tua, with you. Tua, Tua gets both of his wide receivers. Back. I'm kidding. <laughs> yes, 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 Sam, take it away. <laughs> I want to switch this. If that's okay with you, I, I, you said when you said both Alabama receivers, I guess I didn't really that that, that didn't really click to me fully. <laughs> um, but I want to go with a linebacker here. Okay. Um, and I want to go Jeremiah with Sakorba out of Notre Dame. Okay. I, I love him a lot. I love him. Yeah, yeah. I love his athleticism. I think it's a really, really nice guy to build around. They have Byron Jones to build around their secondary. Um, they don't have a true linebacker. Um, they have Vince Beagle, um, but Vince Beagle is not really your, you know, I want to be like the face, the face of your defense, the face of your linebacker guy court. Um, he's a productive linebacker, you know, a guy to, you know, be in a rotational linebacker core. Uh, but Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa comes in, and he can be the starting guy. And I love his athleticism, his abilities to his ability to make plays from all over the field, um, similar to a guy which, that we'll get to pretty quick here. But I like Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa here. Yeah, I like him too. I think he was originally my backup pick for this, um, but it was hard not to go another wide receiver just based off of the play of the Miami defense so far this season. It's been astronomical i didn't expect it at all um they don't have any really big names out there you know on their on that side of the ball other than maybe like what christian wilkins maybe is their biggest name um that they have on the defensive line but uh it, it makes perfect sense give them a name and a guy who loves to just be around the ball and you know make plays and that's exactly what the miami defense already does so why not add another component to it and i completely agree with you sam i i would go in that direction instead of going with another uh, wide receiver from Alabama. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll, we'll move on. That was pretty quick. Dolphins pick there. And 23, we've got the Colts going with Kyle Trask replacing or maybe replacing uh, Phillip Rivers there, the quarterback out of Florida. Yeah, so I thought about leaving Kyle Trask out of the first round, um, but the Colts are in such a tough predicament. predicament. Um, I even have Lawrence on our title town show on Sportscaster last week um, or two weeks ago. I'm sorry. Um, when we were talking about the off season um, and we haven't heard much. I mean, he might know more just cause he, you know, goes more in depth on the Colts than I do. And I, I even talked to him about like even Jacob Eason. I mean, Jacob Eason, a lot of people thought I, 
I didn't even think he was NFL ready. I think he would have benefited so benefited so much from staying back a year, playing one final year at Washington. Um, and Philip Rivers is only on a one-year contract. Jacoby Brissett's up, even if he still was on contract. Jacoby Brissett's not their guy. I think Jacoby Brissett is a very reliable QB too. Um, but I like the Kyle Trask fit here specifically. Um, and I, I I think out of all the teams right now, I think the Colts make out of maybe the most sense um, or the Saints potentially, but. The Colts are in such a tough predict- predicament with their quarterback position because um, this quarterback class is talented, but the talent is going to go away early. Um, hence the reason why, I mean, you're seeing multiple mock drafts with, you know, five quarterbacks taken in the first round. I mean, after even, let's say, all five of these, Trask, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, um, Justin Field, that's six quarterbacks. So, I mean, the next guy you're looking at is, you know, maybe – Desmond Ritter, maybe probably the next guy you're looking at. And a guy in, in the later rounds is probably a guy like Shane Bouchelle and Sam Ellinger. I think Sam Ellinger's a bust in my opinion, but, um, but I mean, I, I think the quarterback class is talented, but it's going to go away early. Um, so, and quarterbacks are hard to come by. And we talked about Sam Darnold to the Colts, Lawrence and I, so I mean, that'll be an interesting destination, but I don't think Eason's their guy. I don't think Brissett's their guy unless Rivers um, what I think would benefit from them a lot, um, what I think would would benefit from that from them a lot, um, is if they potentially keep Rivers for one more year on a um, you know friendly contract because Rivers is in no not really in any position to be asking for any sort of money. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Uh, I like Kyle Trask here to Florida. I think I originally had him going to the Bears just because the Bears have had success with Florida quarterbacks. Uh, a.k.a. Rex Grossman, um, in the past. But I like Kyle Trask here to Florida, too. If you can learn under Phillip Rivers, that's a plus. Anyways, Colts are a great organization to be with in Florida as well as a great you know program to be with in college as well. And not to mention this, but Trask has been consistently throwing three to five touchdowns a game, three to six touchdowns a game recently, um, and most of them have been to Kyle Pitts. So you think about that, that wide receiver, or that tight end connection with a quarterback, and you've got – Oh, what two to three of them that are solidified there in Indianapolis right now. And, you know, one of the promising guys that are coming up right now is Mo Ali, Mo Ali Cox, um, who used to play basketball um, from what mm-hmm. I understand. So um, He's kind of bursted onto the scene this season as well. So <clears> I think that's going to help, you know, them tremendously being able to get that, uh, you know, chemistry going leading into the end of Phillip Rivers career there. So, uh, Kyle Trask to to the Colts makes a lot of sense, maybe for about a year or so before, before he takes over. Um, but we'll, we'll go into the Browns now, and that's going to be the edge out of Penn State and Jason Owe. Jason Owe. Yeah, I like this. I mean, they, they need to build depth at their edge rushing core. Um, they need to build depth at their edge rushing core. Um, and Miles Garrett, obviously, they just extended Miles Garrett. And. Um, and Micah Parsons is out. We, I mean, I talked about we talked about this with Caleb. Caleb, Caleb will be Caleb will be back in just a bit here. Um, but we talked about Jason, or we talked about Micah Parsons opting out. And um, next guy in line is Jason Owe. And they, I don't remember where we had Jason Owe last time, but um, Jason Owe um, is a guy. He's versatile. He's athletic. He is absolutely explosive, and he can be violent with his hands. Um, there's another guy that I'm looking at. Um, that's another edge rusher out of Penn State. 
I wrote an article on him out there with the Arizona Cardinals over on the Cards Wire. Definitely go check that out. Um, and that's Shaka Tony. Uh, I talked about Shaka Tony. Um, one of our first, you know, live shows um, when we were, you know, previewing um, get weeks of the season. Uh, I think Shaka Tony is one of my sleepers, but Jason Owe as well as Miles um, Garrett would be absolutely lethal. Um, Caleb was back. I was just saying, K- Jason Owe is an outstanding pick here. They don't have a lot of depth at their edge rusher position. Miles Garrett was just extended. Um, and Micah Parsons, we talked about that. Micah Parsons is out. So there's the new guy in line. That's Jason Owe. Jason Owe is violent with his hands. He's athletic. He's explosive. And there's another guy in Shaka Tony I talked about who I think is my, he's one of my draft sleepers. Uh, but Jason Owe, along with Miles Garrett here, would is pretty solid in my opinion. Kind of scary. Um, yeah. Oh, I agree. And, and the reason I think it's scary is because Jason has yet to even tap into the potential that a lot of people see him having. Yes, he's he's crazy good. Yes, he's physical. Yes, he uses his hands well. But there are those lapses and times where you're like, is he really trying? And then if he if you see him try, then it's a whole different level of you know edge rusher there. I mean, I think we talked about he has 36 tackles, um, one one batted down, one batted down pass this mm-hmm. season. So. You tap into, you know, getting this guy to give it his all. And you you pair him with a guy like Miles Garrett who who does it snap in, snap out, and gets gets back there. And you, you know, get Miles Garrett to, you know, tutor and be that 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 mentor to Jason OA. And that's gonna be a difference changer for him in terms of, you know, he, he's just he's a baby. Uh he's got a lot to learn in terms of the edge position, but uh <laughs> That's scary to be able to tap into if they are able to tap into the potential that Owe has, and then you have Owe and and Miles Garrett coming after you as a quarterback. Yeah, no thanks. And we'll move on here, and we'll go to uh, one of Sam's favorite players, and that's Pat Fryermuth, uh, tight end out of Penn State, going to the Jacksonville Jaguars at pick number twenty-five. Yeah, and I talked about Marvin Wilson, you know, kind of being before he opted out when we had him to the Steelers um, in our first round, last first round mock draft. Um, he didn't really make that leap that everyone was expecting, and that's the same thing with Pat Frymuth. Pat Frymuth is starting to come back, but Pat Frymuth has also been on and off. Pat Frymuth came in this draft. Um, I would say his margin was not a landslide, but it was pretty decently big, and the Jags need a tight end. They have Tyler Eifert. Tyler Eifert is injury prone. He can't stay healthy. Um, we haven't seen much of him. They have James O'Shaughnessy. James O'Shaughnessy is not a tight end one. You know, he's a guy that can, you know, work in the rotation. Um, but this tight end class isn't necessarily deep. I don't really think it's deep at all. Um, I thought about going Brevin Jordan here, but Brevin Jordan was hurt for a while. Um, and I, I almost wanted to put, potentially three tight ends in the first round. I almost left Pat Frymuth out um, because I think if the Jags pass on Frymuth here, um, they do have the Vikings pick, but we saw where the Vikings picked. So we, there's a strong chance Frymuth goes, you know, within the first five to seven picks of the second round, if you were to go there. Um, so I think if, if, depending on which team's picking, um, so I think I think I think it makes so much sense here. Um, and 
He's a tight end. He's a halfback. He can produce as a pass catcher, and he can produce in your backfield. Um, and I think the Jags are going to fall in love with that. Yeah, I like it. And then you, you throw everything <laughs> that you just said into the fact that they just drafted, you know, Justin Fields second overall. Um, that provides a nice little, you know, little safety blanket over the middle for him. I mean, you've got weapons on the outside. Why not get somebody other than Tyler Eifert, who, you know, is probably past his prime to, you know, do the things that you need a, a tight end to be able to do in the NFL. And um, we're going to have to see a little bit more from Friar Muth. Um, just this past year hasn't been the greatest for him. He's kind of slid off like you're talking about, like Marvin Wilson from Florida State at the defensive line position, but or defensive tackle position. But um, I think it's a great pick for the Jags, and I think it's going to provide a great little – you know, match with, with Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields is going to really fall in love with being able to use his tight end. Moving on, we've got about uh, six or seven more picks here. And for the Jets, we're having them take a wide receiver out of Purdue and Rondell Moore. Yeah, I like Rondell Moore a lot. And um, he, so I'm trying to think what game it was. I think it was either last week or the week prior. Um, it was one of his first games back and he apologized. He was talking to the media and I bring this up because I, I shows a lot of maturity and I like a lot of like personality wise. I think teams are going to fall in love with that when they get to those interviews, um, whether that be, I think it's going to end up being virtual. I think there's a strong possibility, strong chance. We might end up having a virtual draft again. Um, uh, but he apologized for, you know, like while he was hurt, everyone was, you know, kind of waiting for him to come back. Everyone was pr asking pretty questions about it. Um, and I think, I think teams are going to fall in love with that character. Um, and I like Rondo Moore. and Rondo Moore is not your big bodied receiver, but he's one of the fastest receivers in this draft. Um, and um, I love this pick for the Jets and he drafted Trevor Lawrence with the first pick, Rondo Moore is your receiver. You have Rondo Moore and Denzel Mims, and I don't even th I don't think Jamison Crowder's up. Um, so you have Rondo Moore, Jamison Crowder, and Denzel Mims. Rashad Perriman I know is up, um, and Chris Hogan I'm pretty sure is up. But that's a pretty <laughs> solid like trio of wide receivers right there. And Robbie Anderson put up decent numbers when. Um, on that New York Jets offense, and Jamison Crowder is doing the same thing. Yeah, I I, I like the pick. I don't I don't necessarily love it just because it is the same wide receiver that you have on your roster two to three times over. It's a small guy, shifty, quick, great route running, and is going to make a big play for you. The out the thing with the Jets here is that where is the guy that you're going to be able to throw the ball up to, and he's going to be able to come down with it. Rondell Moore is only 5'9". He's as tall as me. You know, like he, he's not a big dude. So that's going to be a question mark in terms of what the Jets are going to be able to do, especially if they go ahead and take Trevor Lawrence, who is used to throwing to, you know, bigger wide receivers, a.k.a., you know, the the T. Higgins of the yeah, world. Yeah. Right. So uh, how is that going to look? Are they going to try and go after somebody in free agency maybe or, or trade? Uh, well, that's yet to be seen because, I mean, I'm sure you could get a pretty good price for Jameson Crowder if you're going to take Rondell mm -hmm. Moore a little bit, uh, maybe a little younger um, Jameson Crowder there. But I, I don't mind the pick. It's just I want to see <clears throat> what they plan to do with it moving forward because I, I, I don't think you're going to be successful just running straight, you know, small, 
small ball, if you will, wide receivers out there. And with that being said, we'll move on to the Tennessee Titans here, and they're going to be taking an edge out of Texas and Joseph Asai. This guy is so much fun to watch, and I think he's one of the other edge rushers that nobody talks about enough. Um, and I talked about, you know, Jeremiah Wusokoromoa making plays from all over the field. Um, Joseph Osai excels stopping the run. He is a very productive pass rusher, but he is an outstanding player at stopping the run and has an unbelievable amount of athleticism, and he plays with a high motor. You've seen guys I, – I love watching players that, you know, play with high motors, um, like the Cody Pay-type players, like the Owusu Koromoa-type players that never take plays off, no matter where – no matter if that play is out of reach. And that's a guy like Joseph Osai. And I, lo- I I think edge rusher makes so much sense here just because they don't have Vic Beasley. Or Vic Beasley is up. And they traded one of their edge rushers to the Jags, uh, Osmelli um, or Correa or whatever, um, for like a sixth-round pick or something. Um, Jadavian Clowney is – uh, on a one-year contract, we haven't seen a, that much of Jadavian Clowney. I don't think Jadavian Clowney is going to be there for their future. Um, and that brings up the depth of their edge rusher and the face of their edge rushing core. And I think Joseph Osai is a great pick here. I love it. Uh, I love it. Every single – there's nothing <laughs> else for me to say. Um, you pretty much nailed it right into the wood right there into the into the two-by-four. Um, but – uh, you could go maybe corner here for the Titans. Uh, their defense needs a lot of help, mm-hmm. uh, and but it, it's either edge or corner. So depending on where you're looking at for Mike Vrabel, what is he looking for this upcoming year in terms of his defense? Because he is a defensive-minded head coach. That's where it's <clears> going to come down to. I love Joseph Asai here. Uh, he's been great at Texas in the time he's been there. We'll see how his career pans out in the NFL. I love it. Uh, I you don't get any other edge rushers right here that are better than, than a style. It makes the most sense. Um, even at cornerback, you can get a guy that, you know, I mean, I mean, Tyson Campbell that we're seeing right now with the Bills, he's already been taken. I think. Yep. We're going to pick another one. We know, right. we know who we're going to pick, but yeah. Right. So even if you go corner there at 28 uh, or th- for the Bills, he's not better than what you're getting in Joseph Asai in terms of an edge rusher going to the Titans. So, it makes the most sense. He's probably the best edge. We'll just move on to the Bills here, and that's going to be. Um, I'll let you introduce this one. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, we. You can blame me for this one, just to the time Devonte Smith issue that we had here. Um, but we're going to go Sean Wade here. I think Sean Wade makes a lot of sense. Um, Sean Wade, I think, is would be a really, really nice player to stick alongside. Shadavius White, um, because they have Jordan Poyer. They have an underrated secondary. Um, but what was interesting to me is you have one of the top-notch elite secondaries, triple coverage under over DeAndre Hopkins catching a game-winning touchdown against the Arizona Cardinals. But um Sean Wade, I mentioned. J.C. Horn provides that physicality, but Sean Wade provides even more of that physicality. And there was a there he's starting to, you know, get to a point where he's going to be fluctuating um, throughout the first round because we saw him what in the top fifteen, the top half of the draft. 
Um, I even saw him at 32 to the to the Pittsburgh Steelers in a mock recently. Um, but Sean Wade provides so much physicality and poise. Um, and I, I think he would, I think this is a great pick. I think because outside of Tredavious White, you don't really have, you know, that number two guy. And I think Sean Wade comes in and competes for that job. Uh, yeah, I don't know if he competes for that job with, with, with White there, but I think he's, you know, or, a great guy. I'm sorry, the uh, other opposite. side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, I think it, it's, it's weird that he's fallen this much. Uh, I mean, it's not weird. Just other players have kind of, you know, proven themselves a little bit more at this point of the season and heading into the draft next year. But um, Sean Wade, very, very great, great cornerback, uh, great on an island, great by himself, huge playmaker, gloves, getting PBUs and, and tipping the ball up and trying to get a pick and create a, a big play or something like that. So uh, I, I, what more can you ask for out of a Bills fan? You know, uh, Bills fans love their cornerbacks. They they love big playmakers on the defense. They rely on their defense for the most part. <laughs> past years they have. Um, they've, you know, more so torn, to, turned towards offense recently. But um, I love the pick here for them. And, um, I, I mean, there's not much to say. Bills always have pretty decent cornerbacks, in my opinion. So um, why not add to the cupboard while you're there? And we'll move into uh, your team. Here, uh, here, Sam, and we got the uh, the Packers taking a wide receiver. Oh my God! In the first round, a wide receiver from USC, uh, Amon Ra. Hey, bro. So these next two picks, and I want to let you pick this too, since you've kind of given me the hand on some of these. Um, I kind of think Devontae Smith deserves to be in the first round, but I want to. I think he deserves to go either twenty nine or thirty. Um, I love Amon Ross St. Brown, but if you want to put Devontae Smith there, that's all yours. Uh, I, you could, but I, I mean, it's interchangeable. But honestly, I, I just like Amon Ross St. Brown. I, I love him. Um, he, he's a number one guy, and you can you put a number one guy next to Devontae Adams instead of Lazard or or MBS. I think that's incredible to be able to get that not saying that Devonte Smith isn't another number one guy because he obviously led Alabama in touchdowns last season. So, I mean, if, if it, either one is going to fit right in, I just personally love Almon Rossley Brown. He's a, he's a lean guy on um, tall guy knows how to get rid of a defender very easily can go up and get it very great down in the end zone and the red zone, especially so good at going and getting the ball, great hands, good eyes, being able to you know snag it from a wide receiver. He's just overall a great wide receiver, in my opinion. I know he plays at USC, so you don't really get the exposure that other guys get, a.k.a. the, the Devontae uh, Smiths of the world, the Jalen Waddles of the world, and everything like that. But I love Amon Ross St. Brown. He, he had a lot of hype coming in from high school into USC. He had a decent season last year, but he's, he's really starting to come on to the scene this year um, as being the number one guy once um, – what's his name – left this past season. So – uh, I just I just can only see him getting better and then putting him with a guy like Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> it's just, what, what are you going to do to stop him at that point? Like, obviously, Devontae Adams brings his own problems. You got Aaron Jones who brings his own problems. You got Aaron Rodgers who brings his own problems. And you add Amon Ross St. Brown who will bring his own problems into the league with him. That's going to be hard to stop as any opposing defense. Yeah. And let's not forget Equinemius St. Brown, uh, the brother of Amon Ra, is currently on the Packers. However, his contract's up, showed a lot of promise um, 
this past week against the um, the Bears. Um, but EQ's up, MVS is up. I think they're going to offer MVS a friendly contract and approve it, go for a one-year contract. Um, and I, th- I think they're going to end up signing MVS. Um, but you only have Tavon. I love the Tavon Austin pick pickup, but they picked up Tavon Austin for the until the end of the season. Um, they cut Darius Shepard. Um, Malik Taylor hasn't played much. Um, Malik Taylor was one of those final guys that made the roster. Um, you know, like you said, outside of Devontae Adams, um, for a while there wasn't really a solidified number two guy. I mean, Alan, Liz- Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard's your big body guy. And something that doesn't get talked about enough is his blocking skills um, as a wide receiver, that he uses that his 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 body to his advantage, his big body to his advantage. Um, I like Devontae Smith here, but I I, I like Amon Ra more as well. Um, I, Amon Ra to me, like this would be a dream come true. This would be one of the picks – if the Packers made this, that I, I might be in tears um, because the Packers finally um, made the right pick at the at the moment in the first round. Um, uh, that one, I don't want to talk about the Jordan Love pick at the time. I don't mind it now, but uh, I was not happy. <laughs> but uh, hopefully Jordan Love does pan out. I think he will. I think Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback for him to learn behind. But Amon Ross St. Brown is an outstanding pick. And – you mentioned like guys with elite hands. USC knows how to recruit guys with elite hands. Um, Drake London, uh, like Moali Cox, he's a multi-sport athlete. Drake London played basketball, plays basketball at USC. You're seeing more flashes out of Tyler Vaughn or Tyler Vaughn's out of USC as well. And even with Michael Pittman in the spotlight, yeah, Amon Ra didn't have those flashy stats, but he still what he was still a very productive wide receiver. And now with Pittman gone, the spotlight is all on him. And despite USC coming close with a lot of these games, Amon Ra is putting on a show. Yeah, he's the guy. Uh, uh, simple. He's the guy. And who, who doesn't want a guy on their team, you know? <laughs> um, it just makes perfect sense to me. Um Sorry, I can't talk about your Packers a little more, but we'll head over to the Chiefs and talk about their interior <laughs> offensive line that they're going to be getting now. And that's Creed Humphrey out of Oklahoma. First Oklahoma uh, player taken off the board tonight. So this is the one I, th- I was thinking we could go Devontae Smith, but I like the Creed Humphrey pick as well. Uh, I mean, you know, it's a mock draft. Players might players are going to fall for so many shocking reasons. Um, I don't think Devontae Smith's going to be the guy, but – that just happens to be the case with our mock draft. But um, we went Devontae Smith last time, and I think Devontae mm-hmm. Smith made sense last time um, just because, I mean, McCole Hardman, you're starting to see more from him now, but early on in the season he was struggling with his hands. Right. Uh, he has that elite speed. They drafted him at the time when Tyreek Hill had his off-field incident, so they drafted him at the time initially thinking that he was going to be the guy to replace Tyreek Hill, and they love speed. Devontae Smith provides so much speed for them. Sammy Watkins is up, but they need depth in their run game. They have Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I don't think Le'Veon Bell is their long-term answer. I think Le'Veon Bell is going to go get paid somewhere. Um, I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire is their long-term answer. And Andy Reid fell in love with Hilaire because because of he saw the amount of opportunities that he was able to use him in the in, in on that offense um and outside of joe burrow clyde edwards hilaire was the best offensive guy um on that team 
And then I would probably say Jamar Chase. Him and Chase are really close to each other. Uh, but Creed Humphrey, um, Creed Humphrey is an outstanding pick here. They they need a solidified center long term. Um, they drafted Lucas Nyang, tackle out of TCU uh, this past draft. He did opt out, um, but they need more depth on the interior side specifically. Yeah, I love it. It's kind of similar to what we were talking about with the Vikings earlier with Dalvin Cook and getting that running game to be as explosive as it possibly can. That's kind of where we're at here with the Chiefs in, in terms of taking Creed Humphrey here out of Oklahoma. He's another one of those guys. He's just a roadblocker. He's going to push guys out of the way to create those holes. I agree with you. Le'Veon Bell is probably not going to be there much longer. Uh, he's trying to make a name for himself again, if you will, to get out of that stigma that he had while he was with the Jets and then you know at the end of his tenure there with the Steelers. So, um, you know, Clyde's the guy. And to don't want to have him consistently having to, you know, break tackles or anything like that. And that's why we are where we are taking Creed Humphrey here for the Chiefs. It's hard to find a, a spot that the Chiefs need, you know, somebody to, to you know, fix their team or, you know, improve their team. And it's, you got to be very nitpicky when it comes to this Kansas City Chiefs, you know, team and, and deciding on who they're going to pick. But I think Creed Humphrey is definitely going to be an upgrade in terms of that interior offensive line position. And then looking at the New Orleans Saints, we have, what is this, our fifth quarterback off the board in the first round? <laughs> uh, uh, Mac Jones, quarterback out of Alabama, heading to New Orleans. Let me think. I think this is our sixth. Because we have Lawrence Fields, Lance Wilson, Trask Jones at yeah, six. Um, I think this is the best fit for Mac Jones. I think he's set up for the most success in this at, at this pick. Um, I, I like the Colts or the Bears, but um, Frank Reich's a good coach. Matt Nagy's not a good coach. Sean Payton has so much success. Sh look at Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater, yeah, Teddy Bridgewater wasn't a flashy quarterback with them, but Teddy Bridgewater was proven that he can win you football games. And I've always been on the side with Mac Jones. I'm not sure what you were, but – I've always been on the side of saying Mac Jones is better. He's not great. He's no Tua by any means, but he's better than people give him credit for. And obviously the knock that people are going to give on give on him is that he has all the weapons in the world. He threw five touchdowns um, last week. And, and like that, that was one of those games that really started to open the eyes. I don't think he's solidified first-round talent, as, as I don't think the same for Kyle Trask. Um, but I think both of those quarterbacks are going to be fascinating names to watch in the bottom half of the first round. Um, if they be, you know, a guy like a Jordan Love, not like talent-wise comparison, but a team that, you know, trades up or surprisingly like a surprise team takes them because they don't think he's going to fall to the second round or like at their pick in the second round. And I think that's a big reason why some of these teams, why we have some of these teams taking, um, you know, a quarterback. And I don't think Mac Jones comes in. I don't think he should come in and start right away. Um, and I, I think I, I think Sean Payton, I think, knows that as well. Um, I don't think Winston is going to do that. I don't think Winston's going to be their guy. Um, I, you know, I can see them coming in and bringing in a guy, um, a veteran, for a year to have Mac Jones sit. Um, one guy I was thinking of with the Bengals, I'm also thinking of him with the Saints. I think he's on a one-year deal. Um, that's Joe Flacco. Um Super Bowl winning quarterback. He knows what it's like to win. He has the playoff Super Bowl experience. 
Um, Joe Flacco, yeah, Joe Flacco's not a good quarterback right now, but Joe Flacco's a really, really good quarterback to learn behind because I don't think I think Jameis Winston is pulling a Teddy Bridgewater and he's going to go try and earn himself a contract. And I think Mac Jones, I think he's set up for the most success at this pick specifically. I mentioned, see, I mentioned this to you before we went on live and everything, and I think it's a freaking clone of Drew Brees here in Mac Jones. Um, not necessarily Drew Brees. He's taller than Drew Brees. He's, he's probably doesn't have the maneuverability that Drew Brees has, but he's got a little bit. He's probably the best deep ball passer in college football at the time right now. And, I mean, maybe you can throw him trash. He's got a pretty good deep ball too, but Mac Jones is incredible with a deep ball. He's got the weapons around him to be able to make it happen. And I mean, if you throw him in with the Saints, you have him learn for a year or two there in New Orleans until Drew Brees' arm finally dies. <laughs> um, then, then you know, it, it's just a, a a perfect you know bridge of the gap. I like to say that a lot. A, a perfect bridge there um, from a Drew Brees to a Mac Jones, who again comes from Alabama, so debatable on what it's going to turn out to be in the NFL <laughs> as a quarterback, but I, he resembles Drew Brees so much in my opinion. Then you put the weapons that he has in New Orleans right now with Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara. Um, he's got Traquan Smith, who's a young guy out there. He's got Emmanuel Sanders. Might probably won't be there by the time he's a starting quarterback if he does go to the Saints, but I, you put him around the same weapons that he that he had in Alabama. It's just, it just makes total sense here for the Saints to take the exact replica or clone of Drew Brees here, and I think it's, it makes perfect sense. And then our last pick of the night, guys, before we go ahead and uh, log off for you guys, another two-hour show. Got to love it. Uh, I love these mock drafts, dude. They're, they're the we got the Steelers. We got the Steelers taking Travis Etienne, running back out of Clemson. So the first running back off the board is the last pick. Yeah, and I think Travis Etienne, in my opinion, is the only first-round talent running back. Um, I think Najee Harris can, I think Najee Harris, if he keeps it up, I think he's going to go before Chuba Hubbard. I think Chuba Hubbard's going to be the third running back off the board. Um, and the reason I say that is because we've seen a little bit of Chuba Hubbard, but Chuba Hubbard's another guy, especially for his, for, for the running back position. We haven't seen that big of a leap. Like a lot of people expected out of Chuba Hubbard. Um, and Obviously, Travis Etienne is starting to fall a bit. I still think there's a strong chance that we don't see a running back in the first round. Um, I think even though I do think Etienne is 100% first-round talent, but he is dropping, and there's obviously reasons why he's dropping. Uh, I mentioned his elusiveness. His vision has gotten better. Um, obviously, on the goal line against he, – he went through two straight weeks, Boston College and Notre Dame, where um, two straight weeks of fumbles and pit, fumble um, – Fumble for six touchdowns, um, so I think his fumbling issue, his fumbling is probably a factor of him dropping quite a bit because we've seen him and I've seen him in the top half of the first round, um, the first half of this season. But um, I don't see them keeping. I wouldn't be. I, I I think it depends what they do with James Conner, obviously, because I think if they're smart, I think they should keep Juju um, because I, I I like Benny Snell as a guy that, you know, can complement Travis Etienne. I don't see Benny Snell as an RB1. I like Benny Snell a lot as a very reliable RB2. Travis Etienne, to me, makes – I think we had Travis – we had Travis Etienne to the Buccaneers. 
Um, if Connor walks, if they let Connor leave or they, if they don't tag him, I think Etienne to the Steelers makes even more sense, especially with the performance Ronald Jones is putting on this year. Yep. Yep. Uh, perfect. Uh, I, I think Travis is probably the only running back that's, you know, willing to push his way for the first round. You could say Najee Harris, but he's kind of had a down year compared to his last, last season. So, um, Travis Etienne, he's got some question marks. All running backs this year do. This isn't a very deep running back class in the first place. There's three guys maybe that you were like, I, I could have here. And, and that's, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Ch- Chuba Hubbard, um, uh, Najee Harris, and Travis Etienne. Travis Etienne is the guy, the number one overall guy that everybody points to as he's going to be the number one running back off the board here. And when you start to think about the Steelers, and we all know the question marks that surround James Conner, right? He had he had the great first season, and he had the great story. And then after that, it's been <clears throat> but you know average play out of the running back position. Nothing overwhelming to be like, yeah, he deserves that spot, or at least he, he only deserves like half of the snaps there. So Travis Etienne to the Steelers makes a whole lot of sense. They've got weapons there. They need one more piece, and the running game is where they're lacking. And if they can add that, they can definitely become a Super Bowl. Probably they they probably are this year, but I think they improve even more there with Travis Etienne. And what I think it makes it tougher too is Juju is also struggling, um, and we saw an impressive rookie campaign out of Juju, um, but we we haven't seen we haven't seen those giant leaps. He went through a sophomore slump um, his second year with the Steelers. So I think there is a, there is a, I think there is a possibility that they, that they let Juju walk as well. Cause I think if Juju leaves, he's going to go get a decent amount of money. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, this running back class is not that deep. Um, CJ Verdell, I don't really see him as a starting guy. There's Kenneth Gainwell. He's undersized reminds me a little bit of a Tariq Cohen type player, um, right. which could be good for a team like, um, for some, for various teams, because uh, I think Tariq Cohen's a very underrated pass catcher. Um, but I, I think Kenneth Gainwell's a very bright future in the NFL and upside. But um, Travis Etienne, I think, is the only guy right now that can be an RB1, um, as well as Najee Harris. Yeah, uh, you make great points there, Sam. Um, God, this was fun. I love doing these. These, these are my favorite <laughs> episodes here, these mock drafts. So yeah. we had a lot of difference. Well, yeah, a lot of difference compared to what we did in the, in our first um, our first mock draft. We're going to try and get those up on Twitter for you guys. We might be able to post a little something going on there. But um, as always, guys, check the check the ticker. We got the the USN shop up and running, teespring.com slash stores backslash unwrapped. Great merchandise over there, only growing as, as we move on and, and grow as a company. Mybookie.ag, uh, code USN100 for double your first deposit. And then rxm.com. All natural CBD pain relief cream, RxHemp-USN for 10% off every single one of your purchases. Um, you know, we're just paying the bills here, Sam, getting getting the job done. Uh, any shout outs or anything before we go ahead and log off from our uh, first round mock 2.0? Yeah, two two hours. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I love the engagement. I'm glad we had all the engagement last time. Um, I want to potentially do a two round one in the spring when the draft gets closer. Um, well, we, maybe we can, we'll have to talk about that. Maybe potentially break up in that episode, but um, yeah. <laughs> you went out there, Sam. I can't hear you. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, <laughs> I, I, I lost, I lost Sam. So uh, there you back. 
All right. All right. That's, that, I guess that's going to do it. Um, yeah, really looking forward to the two round thing. We're going to have to maybe split that up, uh, was what Sam was saying. Uh, we love doing this. Uh, shout out to Sam, shout out to, you know, the Unwrapped Sports Network and everybody out there that, you know, continue to help us, um, be what we are today and continue to grow and be, be the best podcast, the best live broadcast that we can, the best live show. Um, we will continue to bring you guys, you know, the Saturday standouts every Saturday until, college football is over and then we're going to, you know, keep the grind going into the NFL combine and everything like that. So um, once again, guys, another episode of Saturday standouts, this time the 2021 NFL draft first round 2.0 presented by unwrapped sports. Thank you guys. And have a good night.